This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to Useful Idiots. I'm Katie. Say my last name. Let's mix it up this time. Helper. And I'm Matt. Taibi. We just switched up the scheme there. Yeah, we just wanted to, you know. Throw a yeah. curveball. Curve you're, you're looking cheery. This is sort of a Dr. Seuss kind of a vibe okay, to it. Okay, you know what? What's going on Here's here? Here's the deal. You know, Matt Taibi, my co-host right here, wrote a great piece that I really wish Bernie Sanders had read about how he needs to get outside of his comfort zone if he wants to win. So I thought to myself, I'm going to get outside my comfort zone and wear this jacket that is not mine, but that a friend left in my apartment. And uh, listeners can't see. It's a black and it's kind of like a sh- I feel like it's if Dr. Seuss created Shaft. Yeah, yeah, right, right. right. Yes, like, exactly. So it has it's like a black and white <clears throat> diagonal knit wool or something. And then the sleeves are about a foot long. They look like 16 ounce boxing gloves, actually. Well, that's exactly the, the, it. The, the big, that's what I. Yes, ones, they're big. Yeah. They're f- they're fluffy, puffy maroon red more red um fur fake fur i'm sure sleeves it They're actually like looks bell like bottoms. giant red toilet paper rolls yeah that's what they are just in time for corona i'm putting out a jacket that lets you use your sleeves as toilet paper right yeah um, outstanding that's yeah a good so this is me outside my comfort zone slash i forgot my coat at my parents and my friend left this behind also did anyone notice my haircut oh what an amazing haircut you have no one noticed did you, okay did you cut your hair i cut my hair thanks for noticing yeah Got a little bit sun kissed. I drenched my, you know, went in the sun to change the color a little bit. Right. Anyway, so I'm going to take this off, but I'm still outside my comfort zone because I'm going to wear this before and after the show. That so, was great. Yeah. No, no, so, uh, Seem- so how, was how that not a seamless that, opening? That was a, that was a fantastic transition. Okay, yeah. On a scale of one to 10, how happy are you right Negative now? 11. Negative 11. Yeah. That was tough. Actually, you know, and we're referring, of course, to Tuesday night's votes, elections, primaries, whatever. I'm also not quite as disappointed as everyone else. Like, I'm filled with hatred. Yes. I absolutely hate certain people more than I did before, which I didn't know was possible. But we to, knew- to quote a Jets fan I heard once, uh, I have enough hate in my heart to start a car. I mean, I do. And I don't even know how to drive, but I would get into that car and drive it, too, with the hate in my heart, which would give me the power. That was tough. And, and the, the, the gloating online last night was at an all-time fever pitch, which was <laughs> interesting to take. But look, hey, the, the, the people have spoken. Have they? they? They have, in a way. I mean, look, the, the clearly the field was slanted against Sanders uh, in a lot of key ways. The, you know, the, the media was 1000% against him. The entire apparatus of the party was against him. But it was on him to overcome that. Yeah. And he was in position to do it. He had more money by far than he had last time. He had plenty of opportunity. He had four years to build this this movement up. And there were you know, there there were areas where he fell short of expectations in, in ways that were clearly on on that campaign. Not, yeah, but um, it ain't over to the listen fat lady sings. No, right? it, it's not. <laughs> listen fat. It ain't over till the till the uh, the fat uh, audience member who is right. asking a question. Right, the fat sings. town hall. Look fat. Yeah, it ain't, it ain't over till the lying dog faced pony soldier sings. But but uh, yeah, we should say this, guys. It's not over. They it's, want it's us not. to think. 
All right, last time there was some concern that I was wearing my politics on my sleeve. I'm talking as if I were hypothetically a Bernie supporter, which I'm not. I just want, I'm totally objective, but I just want to spice it up. So I'm going to pretend sure, to be a Bernie you're, supporter. Sure, you're, pl- you're playing a part. I'm playing a role, yeah. yeah. I've been really working on the character mm-hmm. development. It's I'm good, really, I'm method pretty, acting. I think I'm really, yeah, I'm really yeah. convincing now. Yeah. But um, it's not over, and people have been saying it's over. They wanted us to think it was over way before when the results weren't as bad. But again, we're not in a place where it's irreversible. No, and... Biden is, let's just say, a combustible candidate. He threatened to slap somebody on the trail. We'll get to that. Um, And the debate is coming up. And also, this is a moment where Sanders has to demonstrate that he understands how this this type of politics works. He has to be as aggressive as possible in... Uh, making the party feel like they have something to lose if he yes. if he's not happy. Right. And uh, that means he has to stay in the race as long as possible. He's got to spend all that money. And uh, look, the, he can't quit now. He can't quit now. We can't. Unless he does before the show comes out. In yeah. which case. In which case we're predicting that he does. We're predicting he quits. Yeah. Uh, against our against Katie and Matt's orders, against right. doctor's orders. No, but that's very important to remember. And Matt, you wrote this great piece that came out last week about mm-hmm. how he needs to scale up his operation in a way that's like could get him the ele- uh, into the general. Can you just summarize it? We talked about it a little last week. Yeah, we but- talked about it last week. And mo- most of it was he had to do better, do a better job at drawing distinctions, and he absolutely positively did positively did not do that. And we can get to some of this. Right. Uh, I hate to say it, but Tucker Carlson had a had a thing about Bernie that was kind of right on the money, yeah. talking about how he d- he just does not understand how to do this kind of politics and right. how, to, how to how to be aggressive and to threaten the party with yeah. loss of your support. And yeah. um, he he hasn't done that. He yeah. has to figure that out quick, uh, probably. They I mean, should be afraid he's going to he would never do this. But if I were him, I would like threaten to run third party. Sure. He'll never do that. But Absolutely. He, but he could. Yeah. And also he needs to stop saying that Biden can win because the truth is we don't know that. And he shouldn't be saying that because it's actually irresponsible, I would say. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a prosecutor. We talked about this. I mean, you, you you can't be giving compliments to your opponent while you're yeah. while you're running against the opponent. It doesn't work yeah. that way. And we know you're his friend. You don't need to say that anymore. Yeah. Really quickly, we're gonna have an appetizer of Matt Taibbi news before we get to four <laughs> food groups. So uh, tell us, Matt. I'll tell you guys because you wouldn't, you're too humble. Matt won an award. He I did. won an Izzy. Mm-hmm. Tell us what the Izzy is. It's an award named after uh, one of my heroes, I.F. Stone, uh, and it's awarded by uh, Ithaca College, yeah. uh, the journalism department there at Park Center, and uh, previously won by the likes of uh, Glenn Greenwald and uh, Amy Goodman. Talk about Amy Talk Goodman. Talk about. And a couple of friends of show, Lee Fong won it, as well as, as, as Aaron Mate. Future uh, friend. Future friend Current of show. Current friend, future guest. Yeah. Show, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, very cool. I'm, yeah. I'm, really, I'm really excited. I'm going to go up there and... Uh, and see them in April. So, so you yeah. should probably bring me as like the, so you can point to me and be like, I couldn't have gotten this without Katie Halper. Absolutely. And, and they mentioned. They useful, did mention useful idiots. They, did, they didn't yeah. mention me. It's okay. Uh, I'm feeling great about that. <laughs> I'm feeling great about the video you guys did last week. But this is the latest example of the Katie Halper bump. Absolutely. And I'm not just saying that in a vacuum. You won that award. Not Your journalism had something to do with it, but there was mostly yeah, was the Katie. Piece. It was a piece. Yeah. Couple, just a little bit, because you don't do that much of that. Um, <laughs> and then also um, Philip Agnew, who I interviewed on my show, on the Katie mm-hmm. Halber show, he became a senior advisor to Sanders. And last week I was speaking on my show to Jim Zogby. We mentioned Jesse Jackson. All I'm saying is that 
Next thing you know, who endorses Bernie Sanders? Jesse, Jesse Jackson. Jackson. So we got three bumps this week. Outstanding. It's <laughs> it's infallible. It's infallible. Yeah. Yeah. For food okay, groups. Okay. For food groups. What do yeah. we have, What do we have for Democrats suck? Do you think we have anything this week? No, I really had to scratch my head a lot. Democrats suck. We got friend of the show, um, powwow, chow, recipe, plagiarizer, contributor. Warren gave a great interview with uh, Rachel Maddow, and Rachel Maddow, the hard-hitting journalist that she is, um, the night before had interviewed Bernie Sanders and asked him about his online supporters. And then, of course, when she interviewed uh, Rachel Maddow, Elizabeth Warren, she asked her about them. So let's take a look at the video tape. What goes on online and and where those lines are and how much each of us, and I want to say this for all of the candidates back back when there were lots of us, We are responsible for the people who claim to be our supporters and do really um, threaten ugly, dangerous things for other to other. And it's a particularly it's a particular problem with Sanders. It is. I mean, and it just is. It's just a factual question. Uh, And it is. First of all, if Rachel Maddow is any kind of journalist, which I know she she can be, but right. just as choosing not to be in yeah. this cycle, yeah. the first question she should have asked Elizabeth Warren here is, did you have a paid trolling operation? Did you pay money in your campaign to have to have people, to have uh, sock puppet accounts attack people online? Yeah. That's all I'm going to say about, about that is that huh. she should have asked that question. Wow. Because it was very, it was abundantly clear early in the, in the election cycle that there were a couple of candidates who spent quite heavily in that area, yeah. and many of us heard from those people yeah. over and over again, yeah. and uh, that's a question she should ask. Right. So I just also want to point out, I had a kind of, if I do say so, can I say I had an epic thread on Twitter? Uh, you so did, yeah. You it saw went, it, right? Yeah, it went past, it was like in the 30s or something. Right? Um, yeah, yeah. It is, and I haven't finished and I'm going to turn into a piece, but basically, I'm so tired of the snake emoji narrative. Warren says that she does her her part she played where where she can she uses her power to to condemn or control her followers i just want to say she said nothing nothing about certain supporters and i'm just going to read like very quickly very short thing this is um someone she could condemn if she if she had wanted to do that this is a comment made by one of her supporters about uh to a woman who's a cancer survivor mm-hmm. who supports sanders in large part because of her medical costs and this supporter of Warren said, Trump's going to obliterate Bernie in November. I don't want him to, but it's just a fact of what's going to happen. Question, do you actually plan on sticking around until November? Also, how are you preparing for eternal blackness, coffin or cremation? This is a woman who has cancer. So, Elizabeth, I know you're really concerned and you, and you, you know, everyone has to do any, everything they can. So giving you the opportunity. Another thing is that um, you had a surrogate, a celebrity surrogate who appeared with you and made a video with you named um, Ashley Marie Preston. She has tweeted things in the past like another damn Asian almost hit me while crossing. What the fuck is it with y'all and damn vehicles? Asian hoes act like they won't get karate chopped in their motherfucking throat. Why is this? What is this hoe staring at my own beeswax? Hashtag bitch. Latino and Asian businesses need to stop being rude and fucking disrespectful. I know it's a lot to ask in California, but speak fucking English. Yeah, I said it. So again, Warren, now I happen to know, Elizabeth, you know about these comments because there were articles written about it. So really hoping you show this leadership that you're asking for and condemn those comments. And then, you know, check out my my thread on this because there are tons of examples. You have uh, Biden supporters saying terrible things, racist things, saying that Ilan Omar is married to her brother. So Biden, you're going to want to get on that. You have Mayor Pete supporter making fun of and blaming a father for the suicide of his son. 
So hmm. I'm really glad that everyone is being asked to condemn. Well, they're not. And San yeah. Sanders is the only. And I know it's like it's frustrating because I when I bring this up, I think a lot of people are like, why are we even talking about this? Who cares? Obviously, people have toxic, noxious supporters on Twitter and on social media. But unfortunately, it's used like you have people at Vox, Zach Beecham, writing that this is something that costs Sanders support. Well, that whole that whole narrative is a completely invented yeah, media narrative. Right. And it's it's only the only reason they're doing it is because they can, because it's easy. Like if you if you picked any candidate, you could, exactly. you could pick out the 20 most obnoxious people who and, and frankly, you don't you're, you can never really be sure who who actually these people are in most cases. Right. Right. Whether they're real supporters now. Right. And, now, and yeah. one thing that we again, one thing we know absolutely for sure is that a lot of people on Twitter are are not who they say they are right. and that they're that there are paid PR campaigns right. that are trying to accomplish all, all sorts of things right. online. And, you know, people like David Brock are putting yep. a lot of money into this stuff. And it's never really been fully investigated. We don't really know what's going on. No. So they're, they're picking out something that's an easy media narrative to do. It's again, it's not about the campaign or anything they stand for or anything. It's, yeah, policy, it's just yeah. something they say that they, because right. they can. And if the rule is you have to condemn your online supporters and she has a plan for that, uh, then everyone needs to. What stands, what what separates Bernie from everyone else is that he actually has. And then, again, Neera Tandon, Tom Watson, Joanne Reed, Brian Williams, I would just encourage you not to quote, uh, not to be chummy with people who constantly tell people to suck Bernie's dusty dick, choke, uh, encourage him, people to choke on his dick, encourage me uh, to go fuck myself with Jenk Uger's dick. These are people who are male, male allies, anti-racist feminists. Yeah, just just a suggestion. But she has a plan for it. Here's first of all, then Maddow is going to blame Bernie Bros for 2016. She blames them for 2016. She thinks it's going to happen again. She's wondering. This is a Rhodes Scholar who really should know better. And I don't. And uh, I don't know if she doesn't know better or if she's delusional or convincing herself. But here, listen to what Maddow uh, brings up, and then here's Elizabeth Warren's plan for it. If that is a persistent problem um, in the the movement around Senator Sanders, uh, it, that was a problem that a lot of people complained about in 2016 around mm -hmm. his presidential campaign, all the more so um, this year. And the senator, you know, says that he's against it and says that he's condemned it. Condemned I, I've talked it. to him about it directly. But if it is a persistent show. problem and he, there's for whatever reason, he can't control it or mm -hmm. it's not being controlled by him. Is there something else that the party could could do about that? I, I ask because I think that it has an ongoing schismatic effect in the Democratic yeah. Party. I think <laughs> in 2016, it made it very hard for the post-primary uh, general election campaign of Hillary Clinton to get anywhere near success. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to do the same thing, uh, whether or not Senator Sanders is the nominee this time. I mm -hmm. see it as factionalist and schismatic and Jesus injurious. Christ, Rachel. And if he can't fix it, I don't know if there is anybody else who can. So I think of this more as not the party fixing it or somebody else. I think of it more as, has the time come for us to just start trying to think more creatively about how to do this? You know, do you set up something, for example, yeah. from the campaign that every single day answers back to this with the, 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 the authority of that person's campaign and says, we're not doing this. I'm flagging these. We don't like this. We don't want this. We don't want any part of this. We condemn it. How many times do I have to say this? You know, it, and I, and I, I, I want to say it's it's. Let's work on doing this creatively. Hmm. I'm going to start uh, an account from. It's going to be called Responsible Warren, and I'm just going to 
uh, or maybe just a hashtag responsible Warren, where she condemns and flags all of the problematic tweets from her supporters. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. I, I love that she wants Bernie to, to dedicate. You know what? Maybe if you had endorsed him, he could dedicate someone to that ridiculous thing. Right. Maybe you, you yourself could personally. Why do don't it. you do that? Endorse yeah. the campaign and you be That's the czar of social. Yes. Be czar of social media control. Unbelievable. Two, two things about this that, that go through my head when I hear this. First of all, Rachel talking about the, the schismatic effect of all this on the Democratic Party. These people have spent the last four fucking years calling all, all mm. of the people on the other side racist, sexist, Russian assets. Yeah, very I mean, dividing. It's, it's inc- very uni- I mean, very unifying, yeah. Very unifying, right? I mean, and, and you know, like I, I personally, somebody libels me literally every day online. And it's, all, it's not just random people on, on the internet. It's Blue check mark yeah. folks all constantly. Yeah. Right. And they, th- that's fine. You, you can right. call other people. Right. That's not divisive. You can all use all those nu- nuclear words that are like career killing right. words for, right. for people. No problem. That's right. fine. The second thing is Bernie was stupid, frankly, to to condemn all this. He should have been like, what are you, two years old? Right. You can't handle people online? Like, yeah. like, this is, you know, this is, you're asking me to be president of the United States. You want me to worry about this shit? Right. Fuck you. Like, that's what he should have been saying. This I mean, is an he condemned where, it once. He should be saying, I think that he should say, yeah, and I ask everyone else to condemn it. Right. I mean, he kind of said that during a during a debate, he said, you should see the terrible, toxic stuff that the African-American women on my campaign get, yep. which is true. Look, but you think it's he's a, done it's it too a many bullshit times? narrative. I know. When, when you respond to a bullshit narrative, it makes you look weak. Yeah, it just does. There are a lot of lessons you can learn from what yeah. happened to Sanders this, this time around. And one of them is you you just cannot take the cheese on this stuff. You ha- you have to you have to look it in the eye and call everything out. Right. That, that's that's some kind of a uh, a game that they're playing. And this this stuff is is phony. So anyway, we, we can move on. All right. For Republicans, suck, what I, what I, had to, I had to look far and wide. Uh, frankly, I mean, you, you could talk so about the response to the yeah. to the coronavirus yeah. thing, but uh, frankly, look, the only story that, that really fits in there is the Republicans in the, in the state of Oregon um, are pulling this trick over and over again, where they're they're walking out in the state in the state legislature uh, to avoid a quorum happening, so that they can't lose even supermajority votes, and they're doing this to avoid a climate cha- to prevent a climate change bill mm-hmm. from going through. Which, frankly, if this starts to become a thing, which it clearly could happen. I mean, this, Oregon has unusual rules, but if if people start filibustering or using this kind of tactics everywhere, like the gridlock is going to get exponentially worse. So this is this is kind of a, a, a jackass move, and but it's classic Republican. Yeah. You know, let, let's pull out all the stops to prevent a climate change bill. Yeah. There we are. There's our thirty seconds of Republican side. Yeah, yeah. I know people are like, Man, you don't even talk about Republicans. We yeah. all know they're bad. It's like we're trying to actually save the world. Right. Sorry. At least I am. Yeah, yeah, at least Katie is. Yeah. Uh, what do we got for Isn't That Weird? All right. So Isn't That Weird? Great story. I yeah. saw this story. Yeah. You probably are like, isn't that moving? Isn't that heartwarming? Yeah. So Canadian Boy 8 wins $200 worth of cannabis products at youth hockey tournament. So there was a hockey tournament and in Canada, of course, because they do that stuff there. And he's in this youth hockey league. He entered uh, raffle tickets to win a prize. And they were uh, a bunch of marijuana products, over $200 worth. So they included um, uh, edibles, a lighter, a smoking apparatus. I think it's great. He got set up. They set him up powerfully to enjoy these things. And, of course, it doesn't have to be for the kid. He could give them to his family, friends and family. Or he could, as Ali G said to a DEA officer who had um, confiscated a lot of uh, pot, uh, donate it to charity. Mm -hmm. And the grandfather of this child said, my grandson thought he won a great prize. 
Dad, I won chocolate. No, son, there's bad drugs in the chocolate. How do you explain that to a kid? I think you just explained it. Yeah, that's right. That yeah. is actually an explanation. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, the, the grandfather should be happy about what he and his son, not his grandson, but he and his son could enjoy safely or that, give away or donate that's to charity. Right. I, think, I think this is, a, this is a, a backward way of looking at otherwise uplifting story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That should be an isn't that uplifting. Yeah. Isn't that terrible? Look, this for the next however many weeks, isn't that terrible? It's just going to be coronavirus, right? right? So um, because are you, have you gone back to read your, your Camus this week? I, I'm doing that. I'm going to read my Sartre. Your, your Sartre? Sartre. Sartre. Yeah. Okay. Right. Or maybe Simone de Beauvoir. So why are you reading your Camus? Which part of it? The plague. Like the, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. The plague. I thought you were looking for inspiration. I think people are kind of losing their minds as we as we see with this. Um, read the stranger. Family says they bought twelve year supply of toilet paper by accident amid a coronavirus scare. Uh, there are a bunch of other stories. Let's see what what, what else do we have here. Wegmans is uh, has is limiting a bunch of stores are limiting their purchase of toilet paper after panic buying. Like you see all these photos of of empty shelves, no toilet paper anywhere. That's Australia, what? England, Canada. We got we got. Empty toilet paper racks all around the world. Toilet paper has nothing to do with, Corona. you know, it's not, it's not like hand sanitizer. Right. It's just, and this is a clear case of, it's yeah. the, it's like a run on the bank, right? When, when there's a financial panic, people lose confidence in the, in a bank. And, but then they also lose confidence in the, they worry that other customers of the bank are going to take out their money. Right. And so it becomes you're worried as much about the actual cause as you are uh, about the panic as you are about the cause. Here, people are worrying that other people are going to panic buy toilet paper. So they go out and panic buy toilet paper because they're going to be left without toilet paper. Right. So this is a clear, clear instance of where the, the secondary reaction right. to, the, to the crisis is going to create an entirely new set of problems, right. including on the, st the stock market and other things like that. I, I don't know how to look look at this coronavirus story because we just had a terrible year for the flu. I mean, I yeah. don't even know what the statistics Remember, were yeah, for the flu this year. It. It's, yeah. what is it, 25,000, 30,000 deaths? I can't even, I'm not even sure. We should look that up. The CDC website has a range for deaths, preliminary burden estimates. It says 20,000 to 52,000 flu deaths so far. So that's, so that's big. So basically this year, is, it, it's somewhere between our annual number for murders and auto auto accidents. Wow. That's a pretty big number, right? And yeah. it didn't, didn't really make the news. Coronavirus, you know, we'll see what the, it's it's highly contagious. Right. And, but we don't know exactly what the full mortality rate right. is because they're, they're not testing everybody. So are they testing people who are just the people who are visibly sick? That way we right. don't know. I mean, so we don't know. No, we yeah. don't know. What we do know is that Bernie Sanders really needs to turn this into a uh, campaign issue. How would he do that? Medicare for all. Free uh -huh. tests. Like, these right. tests are expensive. Life and death issue. Make, That's this true. This would make coronavirus a lot uh, more controlled. That is true. Preventive care. Preventive care. There you go. It's just terrible. So it's terrible. isn't that terrible? Yeah, isn't that terrible? Oh, wait, we have an isn't that Bailey. So we have an isn't that uh, Bailey. It could also be as isn't that terrible. I don't know. But we do. We have once or twice done an isn't that Bailey segment. Um, this was uh, trending on Twitter. And the, the Twitter moment was that Bailey, Elizabeth Warren's uh, golden retriever, was eating its feeling, eating his feelings. This is a, a tweet from someone who worked for Warren. And it's Bailey legit just swipe someone's burrito. Can we play it with sound? And uh, then we can narrate it. But it's a very painful thing to watch. I didn't know that Bailey had an eating disorder. Oh, it. Bailey, stole it. Look at that Bailey, poor thing. Don't it. 
So obviously he's having some anxiety issues. This was right before Warren. He knew she had told him, I'm sure he could sense it, that she was dropping out. He's eating his feelings. Eating his feelings. Was that a thing? Yeah. 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 That's what they're saying. Yeah. You know, he's an emotional eater. I didn't know that. I think that the campaign really was stressful. He was put in many selfie lines. He was probably given tranquilizers and uppers, depending on what he was supposed to be doing. Dan, our producer, talked about this, how, you know, there was a rambunctious Bailey he didn't really think would be capable of waiting in the selfie line. You saw said Bailey. So we either have some kind of body Bailey body double, which is totally um, humiliating for Bailey because mm-hmm. he has to pretend he's replaceable and he knows he's part of a scam. Or if that was just one Bailey, then we have dog abuse right. and dog drugging. And here he is. I mean, it's no surprise that he winds up this way. And, uh, you know, uh, this is going to be great. They should do like a behind the music four years yes, from now. Right. About Where how Bailey, how Bailey, Bailey became like, an alcoholic. Yeah, is, o- is obese yeah. and is, uh, you know, addicted to benzedrine. And, and yeah. uh, right. right. Yeah. He's yeah. an N.A. and Overeaters Anonymous. Has to be snorting Adderall every morning just yeah. to wake up. Right. He's eating peanut butter and honey sandwiches in front of the TV. Yeah. And yeah, totally. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Gabrielle Farrell, uh, Warren's press secretary, uh, tweeted this. Fantastic. And I don't like the way they are so uh, glib about it. This is real. This is a problem. This is, bo- this is body shaming and e- eating disorder shaming. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So that should have been, isn't that terrible too? Uh, all right. Lots to talk about this week. I think we've got to start with the, the complete overhaul of the Democratic primary race. Look, a lot of things happened this week. Joe Biden now takes firmly takes control of, of the race. For now. For now. And, and it, we should point out it's not over. Right. No one's even. We haven't even got half the delegates right. portion yet, and this has been a very, a very uh, unpredictable race. Biden is clearly losing his mind. Actually, can we see the clip of of Biden uh, threatening to slap that dude? You are actively trying to diminish your second right Support the Second Amendment. Second Amendment, just like right now, if you yell fire, that's not free speech. From the very beginning, I have a shotgun, I have a 20 gauge, 12 gauge, my son's hunt. Guess what? You're not allowed to own any weapons. I'm not taking your gun away at all. You need 100 rounds? You were a veto when you said you're going to take our gun. I did not say that. That's not true. I did not say that. It's a viral video like the other ones are putting out that are saying they're lying. Oh, well, he just clarified it. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Let's let's take take the AR, your AR-14s and whatnot. Okay, this is not okay. Hold on, hold on. Hey, let's get a little bit. There's a lot of guys. A lot of guys want it. There's like four different things in here. First, he he tells his his female staffer to shush twice. Uh, he says the guy, right. he says that you're full of shit. Right. Um, he's going to slap. Right, literally full of shit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says he's going to slap him and he... And he Calls an AR-15 an AR-14, which is, you know, I guess, understandable for oh, somebody who doesn't. See, I thought it was an AK. Doesn't, doesn't traffic and uh, doesn't traffic in in semi-automatic weapons. I guess right. you could make that mistake. But but then if, if we could go up in my in my thread here, afterwards he gets asked about about this incident. Why, yeah, that's this, on that same day he gets asked about the incident. Right, temperament with voters that you don't agree with. Sir. Sir. On the coronavirus, we'll target you over this exchange this morning with a voter about guns. Any regrets about how you handle it? Well, I'm surprised that uh, Sanders is joining Trump. So he he asked about the exchange. He says, "I'm surprised Sanders is joining Trump." There clearly were like I got Biden. When that. you go blank, when you have nothing to say, just try to connect Trump and Bernie. Is it's just a talking point? You know, I've said that he reminds me of the character um, 
Ron and Shield, Ron from Waiting for Guffman, played by Fred Willard. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a great part in Waiting for Guffman where he says, if you forget a, a line, just say something about acting. We've got to find that. And that's kind of, I think that they're being like, look, Joe, if you forget, if you go blank, just say just say Sanders Bernie and Trump. Trump. Yeah. Sanders is joining Trump. I mean, what is he doing? Look, the campaign trail is tiring. Like people, it, it is hard to keep track of what people are saying, but this is a, That's this is a organic, minute to minute yeah. thing. And he, 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 he now, he can't keep straight. He can't get through even any appearance now. So it's, gonna, it's I'm, worsening. I'm really worried he's going to cancel the debate. They're going to cancel the debate about Corona. And they were already trying to um, change. If I were the, him, I'd cancel the debate. Right. But they were, and they were already trying to change the rules, right, from debate to town hall format, where they were sitting down instead of standing up. And yes. instead of a moderator asking questions, it was going to be like chummy and questions from the audience. Yeah. And there's no audience now. Right. Yeah. Or spin room. I got to say, though. Um, I like that there's a strong tradition in the Biden family of trying to get, use the coronavirus as an excuse because Hunter Biden... Hunter Biden used it as a way to get out of a deposition. Yeah, this week. for child support. Yeah. Uh, Which is... It's I, unsafe for him to again, travel to Arkansas court. Terrific yeah. move. It's, it's actually straight out of Rake, one of our favorite shows, right? It's so straight out of Rake. Would, such a great show. Wouldn't Cleaver Green have yeah, used the coronavirus totally, to avoid, to yeah. avoid yeah. handing over his tax documents? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Correct. So this happened uh, clearly and it, uh, as has been demonstrated, these kinds of things have no effect on Biden's campaign. I mean, he could literally walk out speaking pure gibberish right. and it would have no impact on the race, apparently. And uh, why is that? Is it because the media is not actually covering it? No, because the people have made an assessment that it's not important to them. They, they, they've, and, I, and I think, frankly, and this gets to something that we're going to look at now, that the... the some of this is on Bernie. You know, he just hasn't made right. he hasn't made people uh, come over to his side enough. I, the, the only thing I the only thing I can think right. of. Right, and he has to be a little. They're going to do with like with dementia and aging what they did with the with the identity politics. So they're going to make it like anything that talks about his mental fitness is going to be problematic, of ageist, course. ableist. And the irony is that these people are are using this to prop up. A campaign of a guy who's going to, as Trump says, get rid of their Medicare, Social Security, right. and not even know he's doing it. Yeah. Brilliant trolling tweet from Trump and not too untrue. But yeah, it's it's disgusting. Just like when people would say that Bernie was Sander, that Bernie was sexist to get in the way of someone, basically to block the presidency, the candidacy of someone who would have been better for women than Hillary Clinton. I mean, that's a different issue. But this weaponization of identity politics, it's like you have Russiagate. Bigger story. I have the Bernie Bros right. stuff. They, they're, we're both triggered by those, but uh, they're both very destructive and take up way too much media, which is why we push back on them. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I totally. I feel like if the media covered this more, people would be freaked out because people were freaked out. Like I was legit freaked out when I saw Hillary almost collapse, and I'm not someone who was like, oh, Hillary's covering up a big disease. But I think if people saw that, like more of this and if Joe Biden were forced to a- appear more, I think then the calculation would be different. People I'm not saying some people wouldn't make that calculation. Well, it's going to it's it's, it's going to be up. an issue because you, you can bet that the Trump and the Republicans are not going to oh let God, this not be an issue. Right. So and all uh, these people who spend like their entire life calling saying that Trump has dementia and then they're like, you can't diagnose someone. About mm, Biden, right? Like Elaine, honestly, but yeah, yeah. Sorry, I cut you off. No, no, I just think there are, there there are ways that uh, he he could have done better on this, and uh, w- we mentioned this at the top, but uh, 
it was kind of brutal to watch uh, Tucker Carlson going after Bernie. And, and to, in an interesting side note, Fox has been kind of nice to Bernie. They, they've 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 pushed back pretty regularly mm-hmm. on some of the stuff that the Democratic Party has done. And then there came this sort of epitaph on on the Sanders campaign. Premature, I think. Right. But it's uh, it's kind of worth yeah. watching. Yeah. Sanders was never going to win. When he finally did lose, Sanders did not even complain about it. He dutifully showed up at the Democratic convention and endorsed Hillary Clinton. When the extent of her treachery became clear in those leaked emails, Sanders still campaigned for her like the obedient little party hack he is. For Sanders, this week was the time to tell the truth about what is happening, what we're all watching. The Democratic nominating system is rotten and corrupt. Biden himself clearly is not capable of governing this country. He's not even capable of holding a press conference. So Carlson calls Sanders the lamest revolutionary ever. He points out that Sanders repeatedly played the good soldier role in 2016, uh, even despite all the things that came out about the what, the fact that the party was actively campaigning against him. He went out and, and gave constantly speeches for, for Hillary, despite the fact that they were all of her surrogates continued to attack him on, online mm-hmm. regularly. And, and then and then labored this entire this entire four years to for this presidential run. And when he got into it, refused to call out all the things that, that were happening. And look, this whole business, Carlson, in a couple of sentences, said something that was more effective than anything that that uh, that Sanders could have said that entire time, which was that it's we're visibly watching. Everybody knows right. that this guy is not capable. He can't get right. through a press conference. If he had even just said that. And then Trump also he put out one tweet saying Biden's going to take away your, your Medicare and Social Security. Yeah. And that's Bernie. If you really wanted to win, he had to be more he had to be yeah. more like that. You know, he had to attack them. And, and in a slightly nicer way. Right. I don't think he can dis. I mean, it's it is hard like to talk about his mental fitness in a way that's not I don't know. It's not as easy as as the record. But even that, he could be hard on the record. I'm I'm sorry. I just I totally disagree. The the the, the if anybody who is seriously thinking about putting forward a guy yeah. who's in this condition for the presidency, that's not the time to to, yeah, to, right, to, to be gentle about it. Right. Look look at how irresponsible these people are and how cra- how craven and corrupt they are. Yeah. They're they're willing to foist this person on you. Yeah. Rather than than risk something ser- real happening right. within their party, which is they don't they don't want to take this is again. It's all about money. They they, right. they just do not want to have a candidate who is not funded by the right, right. people. That's right. all this is about. Or lose and, their access, or lose their jobs at this thing tank yeah. or this consulting thing. I mean, I think maybe the truth is, I'm in my head. I'm just imagining what MSNBC and CNN would say if he did that. But maybe that doesn't matter because doesn't. maybe the people, if people heard from Sanders about how inca- incompetent Biden is, but what do you, cognitively, they probably would be like. You know, I think it's a trade-off. You're right. Like MSNBC and CNN hate him no matter what. They're going to smear exactly. him no matter what. So, so basically, you, I think you're convinced you're changing my mind on this. Basically, it's like you've nothing to lose. You might as well actually tell the truth about Biden. Exactly. But he's such a moral. St- I agree with you. It's irresponsible to let this guy have the keys. But Bernie's so not like that. How would you? How would he? How but could he say it? But this is this. But this gets back the to something, zone. and and this is something that's, that people within the Sanders campaign talk to me about. Right. Bernie. He still has an emotional attachment right. to the whole machinery of the Democratic Party. He, he still somewhere deep inside of him holds out hope that they're going to come over to his side, that that he can win these people over. 
it's it's just not going to oh, happen. It, 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 he he had to he had to say at the very beginning, I'm I'm never going to make it with the folks on MSNBC and CNN. Right. They are never going to accept right. me. Right, and just so yeah. I might as well just crush them. Do you yeah. think he really expects the Dems to come over, or do you think that he thinks that he just really does think that Biden would be better than Trump, and that's why he's holding back a little bit? I think it's true, like his personality, his moral stuff. You talked about how he, they had a friendship, and and he's a loyal guy, and he also doesn't like to to like. You know, I would say punch down, but it's not punching down when the guy's gonna is incredibly powerful and is gonna become the most powerful person in the world if he wins. So, if if that's the calculation that he made that that uh, the Democratic Party is just better ultimately than having Donald yeah, Trump, and it's not worth that. it's not worth uh, you know burning it all down for the yeah. sake of then he shouldn't have run. I mean, like you look, said that last week, like it's irresponsible. Yeah, right. I mean, like he, he should have stayed a movement person. His or, yeah. I mean, his, his campaign was predicated on the notion that that uh, in in order to survive, in order to have a truly functional party true. for working right. people, we you, we have to re- literally replace right. everybody at the top, the upper right. echelons of the party, and and exclude them from the process. And he just couldn't commit to that in the end. I think he, 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 it's just frustrating. How would you say it? If you were Bernie's speechwriter, how would you say, how would you tell him to go after Biden? Just do do that. Just say, look, you know, this this the I'm running against a guy who who, who shouldn't be driving, shouldn't be running right. for president, can't get through a press conference. Right. And more than that, look at the people who are around Joe Biden who are willing to let him be president and who are foisting him on you. Think, think about what their motives are. Yeah. Uh, think about how far they've gone to, right. make, to prevent me from being president. Right. Um, and there'd be a lot of pearl, cr- pearl clutching and attacks on him. But as you said, it's going to be from people who already hate him. And he, do you think that he, by saying that stuff, would be able to reach people who who would then get more afraid of voting for Biden and more excited about voting for, for Bernie? When people in, in presidential campaigns, from my experience watching them over the years, there's a couple of things that voters tend to... Uh, respond to over and over again. One is that they like candidates who are warm. It's it's like a it's an amorphous right. thing that's hard to define. But they that whole thing about you know having a beer with somebody yeah. it's a stupid cliche. Right. But they people do have trouble kind of warming up to brainy nerdy. And Warren do, couldn't even get her husband to have a beer with her. Right, exactly. The, the Al Gore types, right. the Hillary Clinton types. Like there's, there's like a thing. Carrie, yeah, exactly. People have difficulty with that kind of candidate, and they like the George Bush types, right? right. That's one thing. The other thing is just candidates who are strong, who are aggressive, Don't and who are down. not afraid to 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 stand behind their principles. Yeah. That's a, that's the most. That's the biggest thing with, right. vo- with voters. And, and Bernie, say uncomfortable truths, maybe. Yeah, and 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 it's it, one of the things that people liked about Donald Trump right. is that he he didn't cowtown to the Republican establishment at all. Right. He he called them out relentlessly, even in, you know to a degree that was probably unseemly, right? Uh, well, I mean, he, he did other things that were right, unseemly, right, right. But, I see what you're saying. Yeah, but, right. But the the and, and people ultimately they what they got from that exchange between Trump and people like Jeb Bush is that actually the weaker of the two right. were, were the Bush folks, right? right? They right. didn't they, they didn't have anything. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think if you if you punched harder at the Democrats, there's not a whole lot underneath there. They don't right. have any real positions. Maybe by Bernie's doing this so that now he can be like, look, I like Joe. I, I didn't want to attack him. But boom, then he looks right into the camera and tells us why he's such a risk. It's he, a little late. Don't it's you a think? little late. But also, do you think this is good for Bernie at all to be like not as more of the underdog again? Do you think that could help him galvanize support, excitement, enthusiasm? Again, the, the whole premise of his campaign was we're tired of being in the wilderness right. and being the minority party that, right. you know, that minority uh, progressive 
you know, movement that constantly gets second or third place right. in the policy discussion. We never get what we want, right? Like you, you go into the healthcare debate and you have a president who ran on, we're going to have a public option and drug reimportation from Canada and we're going to use, use the bargaining power of the government to negotiate me- medic, uh, pharmaceutical prices right. down. And then he gets into office and he doesn't do it, right? right. Because they, they take those voters for granted. Right. And the again, the whole premise of the Sanders thing was, no, you're going to be first from now on. Um, we're going to make them yeah. wait in line, right. right? And I don't think it'll be a good thing for them to go back to being, you know, these backbenchers who get to whine from from the cheap seats. There's no upside to that, right. is there? No, I, I don't. Is think that a so. consolation prize you're happy with? No, not at all. I just thought maybe we can turn it around based on that, get him to be the underdog again, and then push yeah. back. I, I feel know. like I'm being too. too no, negative. I don't think you are. I think this is tough love that Bernie needs to hear. Uh, so, a secondary consequence of Biden winning is that you know the Russia gate is going to come back. Now it's going to be a thing. It's going to be seen as a validating uh, decision that now we're going to start using this as a as a way to to go after people. And these these stories came back again last week. There was a major expose in the New York Times where they they essentially had a bunch of reporters dig up the correspondence between Sanders and the Soviet Union back when they were trying to establish sister cities right. between Yaroslavl and I forget what this is, is it Burlington? And it's a complete non-story. I mean, the, the, the premise of the story was that Sanders allowed himself to be used as a vehicle for enemy propaganda and the, you know, the Subsequently, I guess they didn't call former ambassador Jack Matlock, who was the ambassador at the time, the Reagan appointed ambassador yeah. to the Soviet Union, who said, no, this was done with the full approval of the of uh, the government at the time. Also, this is and- during perestroika, right? Yes. OK, that's kind of a big deal. I mean, it would be red baiting and ridiculous, like smearing and totally on brand for The New York Times. But it's especially ironic because this is a time of. Perestroika, which is what? How would you describe that? Well, restructuring. Yeah. So perestroika was when they were when they were trying to introduce capitalism, westernize a little yeah. bit. And in fact, I'm offended as a socialist, semi as a borderline communist. I'm offended he would try to create a sister city during this period. <laughs> he should have created it before. So that's why this is effective hit piece for me. Yeah. On the other side. So there you go. Okay. It's unbelievable. Uh, so they did this and. It was clearly one of many things that they, that have been done to attach the idea that Sanders is some kind of Russian dupe or a useful idiot. Uh, they did it before the Nevada primary, too. I mean, uh, the caucus. And then there was a another story the Times just came out with uh, that is, again, in exactly the same tone as the as many stories of this genre, Dan, if you could see the uh, the Russian interference, Russia trying to stoke U.S. racial tensions before elections, before election officials say. And the idea here is that again, it's unnamed intelligence sources who are are saying that the Russians are reaching out to American uh, white supremacist yeah. groups yeah. And, and other groups. And then they one of the things, almost everything that they ran was completely unsourced and they didn't give any specific examples of what they were talking about. The one concrete thing they said, they they talked about RT, 
And it says, the organization has also posted tweets aimed at stirring white animosity, publishing an article in January accusing the New York Times of hating white people and criticizing Hank Azaria for quitting as the voice of Apu on The Simpsons because of its stereotyping of South Asians. That's really going to sow instability. Right. So this is this is apparently evidence that the Russians are trying to stoke white supremacist rage or whatever. I mean, it's... So, so RT ran a story about a video of New York police arresting a black man, and that was clearly just to, to spark outrage. Um, it's not newsworthy no. at all. You know what's interesting that we haven't seen a lot about? The fact that from people who really care about this stuff and are really concerned with the rise of neo-Nazism, it's interesting that the unfurling of a swastika at a Bernie Sanders rally hasn't gotten a lot of attention. It didn't get a whole lot of media play. That's, it got. You know. These are people who talk constantly about Donald Trump's effect on discourse and effect on hate crimes and effect on white supremacy and how he's um, signal boosting it. And then you have the first serious Jewish candidate in a long time, at least the first one for the Democratic Party, someone whose father lost a lot of relatives in the Holocaust. You have a swastika unfurled at his rally. Mm. And that's not newsworthy. Right. Not and they had video of it, too. And they had video of it. Yeah. And the guy, they know who the guy is. Mm -hmm. They know who he is. Like, this is a story. And you know why they're not running it? Because it's Sanders, I'm assuming? Because it's Sanders. And I think because, honestly, it, it, they are afraid that it undermines and distracts from the, the snake emoji story. Mm -hmm. I really do. I think that they can't let him be the victim of any identity politics stuff. Any, like, that's... His people do sexism. He can't be shown as someone who's on the receiving end of anti-Semitism. I really think that's why. These calculations are all just so loathsome on every level that, you know. It's How is this not a story? How does no one on MSNBC well, talk about this? A million years ago, it wouldn't have been a story because we had an unwritten rule in the business that we don't give airtime to people who are looking for it. You know, in other words, right. like, you know, if, if you're... If you stand up in the middle of a of a you know, somebody's speech or a sports contest, right. and you, if you run naked on the floor with right. a message on your, you know, you're not going to get on TV, right? Because you're trying to interrupt an event. Oh yeah. And obviously, that's all of that has gone out the window in right. the last couple of election cycles. They've done that repeatedly, so it's it's interesting that they've they've reverted back to the rules when uh, in this particular case, right? But, anyway, uh, and, the blue, and blue check Twitter has not, con, you know, has been mostly silent on this. And again, I thought that they cared about white supremacy and neo-Nazism. It's just, it's just ridiculous. And then, you know, they're they're already reviving the, you know, the, the Jill Stein is a Russian yeah. asset trope. We came came back last week. It was trending on Twitter. And so this, all this stuff is now going to come back. So congratulations, Democrats. We, we, you've, you've earned yourself a couple of more years of this nonsense. And yeah, it's un unbelievable. So. Uh, I guess we should talk about the, 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 the thing that's most important and most foremost on your mind. Yeah, as usual. Is the NBA MV MVP race. Mm -hmm. Do you think LeBron really has a case? He has a case. It's not the strongest one, but you could make the case. Mm -hmm. I see him as kind of the Sanders here. You see him as Uphill the Sanders? Battle. Uphill battle. Uphill battle, but, but and winnable. Who, who's the Antetokounmpo in this race? And can you say that? Antetokounmpo. Ante de Cumpo. Very good. What does actually, that mean? That's, that's, that's the guy who's actually going to win, probably. Oh, is that an Italian word? Greek. Oh, sure. well, it no, it's not an Italian. It's actually not a Greek last name, Ante I don't think. Oh, it's his. It's a name. Yes. Of a person. I thought this was a term. No, Yanis Ante de Cumpo. Yanis oh. Ante de Cumpo. I'm very good at accents. The Greek and, yeah. freak. The Greek freak. 
that's the other option, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, I mean, if we look at Gre- they don't they're not doing too well, Greece. And Yanis, although I like him, Farafaku, Faraf, what is it? Varifakis, the Economist. The Economist. He's uh, I like him, but he's a controversial controversial figure. This is all related to the sports question, and actually a contractor in my uh, who was working on something a, a handyman who did something in my apartment the other day. I told him I knew Yanis that I had met Yanis. Varoufakis, uh-huh. and he's like, I hate him. He has ruined our country. I have a wonderful day. But he was very <laughs> chipper. Like he wasn't actually angry at me. He's like, Oh, I hate that man, and he ruined our country. What, have a wonderful day. What is that, Giannis's economic oh, policies? Oh, you know, he's like Syriza guy. He's anti-austerity. So my point is, you got LeBron James, and then you got yeah, the Greek freak, freak, and I think that Giannis is not that well liked in politics that Yanis uh-huh. and there's often a correlation in sports and, and politics so I'm worried basically I'm worried also that sports fans just think of Yanis and they think of that guy because a lot of sports fans right. follow naturally Greek, Greek economic yeah. policy and they're gonna I'm, I'm worried that that's a tainted name now and they're gonna think of him right um so I'm think I'm leaning LeBron with a potential Greek upset right okay and but but LeBron is the Sanders in this metaphor you know, it's a very dynamic race. <laughs> yeah. So a couple seconds ago, yeah, but then things have changed. I've things been looking changed. at so some he's of now the, the Biden in this race. Now he's the Biden, which uh-huh. means we need to crush him. Okay, all right, go Giannis. Go Giannis, yeah. Excellent. Anyway, so I never thought it would come to this, Matt. You look troubled. Katie. I am troubled, but I'm ve- I'm a little conflicted. But uh, I'm not a big fan of cancel culture. But you know, desperate times call for desperate measures, and this is going to be. Uh, I'm introducing a cancel culture segment oh boy. into the into useful idiots. Um, You're gonna cancel somebody? Maybe, yeah. Maybe it'll be a one-time thing. Maybe it'll be a recurring segment. We're gonna have to see how people behave. But okay. ready? The following person is canceled. Drum roll, please. Andrew Yang, you got canceled. Ooh, ouch. Andrew Yang Tuesday night endorsed Joe Biden. He did. Not okay. Mm. Um, the Yang gang should be furious and I'm going to go back on my, uh, circumcision, mandatory circumcision, uh, campaign that I ceased and desisted after Andrew Yang agreed to come on the show. Mm. I don't know what to think about it, honestly. He thinks he's going to get a position in his administration. He didn't support UBI. That was Yang's whole thing. The degree to which everybody just kind of jumped on board with people with Biden, despite the fact that they were all crapping on him with... Uh, the force of a yeah. thousand sons. It was pretty. It was pretty amazing. Turns um, out Kamala Harris was not that little girl. I guess. Oh yeah. What, what what's what's going to be the the new T shirt? If if the first one was that little girl was me. That little girl was me. Yeah. And then I saw somebody on Twitter was saying that that sellout politician was me. Yeah. And that was pretty funny. But um, yeah, depressing. Uh, I expected a little more from from Andrew Yang, but look, he 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 came out of nowhere. He had a he had a very strong campaign and. Uh, we I may- guess he's, he's cashing in, so, you know, good for him. So now, after we bummed you out a little bit, or maybe gave you some hope, it's now time to... Levity. Levity. We are going to levitate the Pentagon, introduce some levity, and uh, bring you our interview that we did with James Domian and Anthony Atamanak. Very, very funny people, very funny men. You may know them as Bernie versus Trump. I think uh, you're going to really enjoy it. You will. And this was recorded um, before Super Tuesday, but it's a timeless gem. It's an evergreen it's gem. Evergreen. And you're yeah. going to love it. And everything they say about the people remains true. And they're in person. There's a lot of Biden in there. So. Welcome 
Hi. Hi. Hello. Anthony. James. Hi. Hi. Thanks for oh. coming. Hello, oh, good. Katie. I thought you were going to do like some like <laughs> intro that you no, no, do. No, 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 no. Oh, so yeah. that's so funny to me because I was like ready for you two to be like, here we are. Right. A da da da. And like, hi. We're very, very no frills here. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. I love this photo shoot space that you're in. I know. It's uh... We actually have an identical one that is exactly the same yeah. and just but more bigger. white and bigger yeah. in, the, in the next room, which is where we usually are. This is a yeah. great soundstage. Well, thank you for having us. Yes, thank yeah. you. Thank you for yeah. coming on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, serious question. Yeah. Have you thought about actually running for president as one ticket? And you would you would probably win. Uh, absolutely not. We no. we <laughs> we have a tour of like nice nice medium sized venues. And I think that's the that's where our impact is and where yes. it belongs. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I think I would be ruined in about. Four seconds. Really? I mean, I just, you know, I mean, it's not a secret. You know, I lived in L.A. I had did hard drugs for a while. Uh, you know, I just think there's enough baggage that just running for president alone wouldn't work for me. Right. But I did have someone I don't want to name who they are, but they're an up and coming figure in New York politics who's uh advisor after I paneled with them was like, you need to run for office in New York. And I went, no, I went, that's not <laughs> wow. happening. That's not a, they're like, you could just talk off the top of your head. And I go, that's just improv comedy. I'm like, don't confuse it with policy. Well, that's what Trump does very well. Yeah. Well, I, he's like a level one student. Was actually. Trump trying to get you to run? For yeah. yeah. He's like, run, run, let's uh -huh. do it. Do run, run. But you don't think an improv comedian with like maybe a little bit of a drug history would do great in this yeah, election cycle or a couple of them? Yeah. Do I actually, I mean, egotistically, yeah. I think I would not only be able to run, but win and be a great president, <laughs> yeah. to be honest with you. And it's that it's that kind of hubris that would doom him. Yeah. Doom or, or get him in. We're in a new world. We yeah. are in a new world. We're in a, po a Trumpian, post-Trumpian world. Do you guys ever get recognized on the street, by the way? Uh, you, sometimes, yeah. Um, usually... Uh, right outside of a venue or something. Well, yeah. Um, no, I, I get recognized in the streets, uh, but some cities are less likely that the person will like let that be known. Sometimes right. in like New York or LA, they look away. Right. But if it's a, a smaller city or it's like not an entertainment hub, people will be like, "You're hey, you." <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, so, re uh, no, I'm joking. Yeah, regionalism. Yeah. I, uh, white people never recognize me ever. Like never, no, no, no one white ever recognizes me, but strangely, and this is not Baldwin, because Baldwin said this in that interview. Um, uh, it is strange to me that often people of color recognize me. Wow. And I don't know if it's because even, you know, maybe cause I'm white and doing Trump, like I am more distinguishable huh. from a different perspective. That's I'm not really sure, but I was at a Yankee game and uh, sitting, there's like uh, three business bros, three white business bros and a black business bro. And I get tapped on the shoulder and he goes, hey, are you the guy from the president's show? And I went, yeah. I go, how in God's <laughs> yeah. name do you yeah. know that? <laughs> right. And he's telling the three of those guys and they go, well, what the hell are you talking about? And I went, well, that was our viewing demo. We had like a huge base of people of color watch the show. Yeah, because you guys, I mean, you become those characters, you become Bernie and Trump. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, and uh, Sure. See, but like you don't, you just become them, but you obviously look different from them in real life. Portraying. And then, thank, yeah, exactly. Yes. Well, no. Different enough. 
These are acting roles. Yes, I, I will yes. say, if James looked like Bernie Sanders at his age, that would be disturbing. I, it would, would be <laughs> I'm losing my hair in a different side than Bernie did. <laughs> Bernie was up front first, and I'm in the back. Everything first. about Bernie is up front, even the hairline. Even the hairline. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's an excellent. Honest, an honest hairline. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's true. Yeah. Uh, what, what are the? You obviously, both had to study both of these characters. Yeah. They're both very uh, gesture heavy. What yeah. are your favorite? What's your favorite Trump gesture? What's your favorite Bernie gesture? Bernie, my favorite is the hands in front of the other person's yes. face. <laughs> like, right. I I did a thing with Bernie and I made fun of him. I yes, was like, that was so great. What exactly is the wingspan? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, was, he was. I mean, it's like a condor. He was right. schooling you on it. Too. He was. Yes. He was. He's he, like, you're not he, doing it far enough. He came. He came at me. He came at me like it was a roast. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. And that was after his heart attack. And mm-hmm. I don't remember who I was talking with, but someone who knows him well. I'm not like violating any secrets, but someone who knows him well was like, he wouldn't have done that, and he wouldn't have been such good a mood before the heart attack. Like something happened, and you saw this light side of him. The stent. This That's stent what happened. happened. Yeah, yeah. He was reset. <laughs> yeah, he was People reset. People who say yeah. they get a stent, they feel like 30, it's true, 10 years right, younger, right? right. We yes. should all get I one. can't wait for mine. <laughs> also, why did Bloomberg, did you notice that he said he was trying to be, like a couple debates ago, Bernie was like, something I have in common with the mayor was we both have stents. <laughs> and, and Bloomberg's like, mine, I can't do them. You should do it. He was like, mine was 25 years ago. Like, that was an own. Like, he was ahead of the curve or something. Like, that just means you were unhealthier oh, he is at a younger worst. age. He has the worst personality so of any person, like any politician I've ever seen. Bloomberg's. He just like, radiates this insipid. Un- yeah, it's just terrible. Oh, yeah. It'd be great if he had an ad right now during your podcast. <laughs> Yes. Just Michael Bloomberg. I'm running ads on hostile podcasts just to let you know that I'm an inevitability. There's no way to stop it. It's Submit. a Bloomberg locomotive. Yeah, we played that ad, by the way. And I apologize to you, uh, James, because I think I said your name really quickly. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah. Uh, or maybe it's the Armenia phobia out there where people don't recognize your name. Armenia phobia. Um, but people were like, who did that amazing ad? So James Adomian. Thank you. This man right here. I-A-N. Yeah. Shnorakalem. What's that? <laughs> That's thank you in Armenian. Oh, Shnorakalem? Really? Mm-hmm. That's funny because Shnora. Shnora in Yiddish means cheap. Or like bargain hunter. <laughs> yeah. Bargain hunter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you guys are maybe, kind maybe of the Jews. Maybe there's there probably a link is. There. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. How was that interviewing Bernie? And maybe after this, we're gonna we're gonna strategize about how you can interview Trump. Well, that uh, I, I the the interview with Bernie kind of came about because I guess it was through multiple advisors. I think there were people in his campaign that thought it would be very funny, and like he was the last one to be won over to this right. idea, <laughs> to the point where he called me on the phone before he showed up, and I was getting in my Bernie makeup, and there's this phone call that comes from Bernie, and I'm patched through to him, and there was a fantastic clearing of the throat when he got on the line. <laughs> <laughs> okay, James, James, this is James, what are we doing? <laughs> and he wanted me to walk him through it, so I was like, Bernie, I know you're nervous. This is a right. big break for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, his his humor bone isn't like hugely developed, but it's there, it's right? There, like yeah. it's the- uh, he is he's he's very sort of grumpy, funny, yeah, and it's like dry a, too, very yeah. dry. It's yeah. like it's like a it's like a very a sort of um a, a grumbly grandpa humor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. like it. Uh, yeah, it's great. Remember, and then he, you know, he he. Tra- I feel like his humor. My dad has a very off-color sense of humor, but he also has kind of generic dad humor. And so the other day, like, they were asked about 
cent- uh, about Mexico because Amy Klobuchar, who didn't know yeah. AMLO's name and managed to mispronounce it again when asked about it. Um, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. Yeah, Would she, she call him, him Labrador? Like, Obrador. Yeah, something like that. Like <laughs> Obrero or something. And um, she, and that was great. That's when Joe Biden's like, I've been to Mexico. Remember he threw yeah. that out? I've been like, to Hey, pal. Oh, yeah, we both do. <laughs> You do, who does hey, pre- we. I mean, he did it, and then I just listened to him do it, and then watched Bob. But we do dueling. Hey, Biden. fat. Hey, listen, fat. look, fashion. Fat. You're not physically fit. That's your problem. We're gonna do it. And we're gonna win, and we can go. <laughs> I was there next Barack Obama. He didn't endorse me then. He's not endorsed me now. And that's the kind of commitment we can rely on. Hey, listen, if you don't like Joe Biden, go vote for Joe Biden. Yeah. I don't care. Oh, you hear that. about that one? Yes. <laughs> we what? could lose all these. Wait, is that, that real? I believe there. that. Is there, that real? Yeah, that's Matt, real. That was the other day. I met. I brought this up. What's so amazing is that it's so chock full of Bidenisms that that got eclipsed because the first thing he said in that same sentence was he's running for Senate. I'm and Joe if you Biden. Don't like me, and I'm running for Senate. If you don't like me, vote for Joe Biden. Yes, literally. vote for the other Biden. He's or, like, that guy lives in the mirror. I see him every morning yes. and I don't like the cut of his jib. My <laughs> campaign's going backwards just like Benjamin Button. I'm not running for president. I'm running for vice president. After that, Senate. Maybe I'm running, hey, I'm running for a city council somewhere in Delaware. Finally, I'm going to run for king baby of the kindergarten. <laughs> and then uh, between that, he's going to run for lifeguard civil and, rights lifeguard yeah. uh, with the golden flag. Joe with the golden fleece. I'll right. take pop. I'll corn take care of corn pop. Oh I'll take on God. corn pop mono e mono. One on one. I'll teach him a lesson what for. I love the way he, he apparently he dissed him by calling him Esther Williams. Right. I lo- when Joe, he should have called him Esther Roll. He, like that line he had at the rally where he was like, you're a lion dog faced pony soldier. Oh my God. It's a reference to this old right. movie. Not a, not yeah, a John it's, Wayne it's movie. It's a Tyrone Power right. movie. Right. Yeah, it's yeah, a Tyrone Power movie. Why did, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but the only thing about that one is that even though I don't think the young woman knew what the what he was talking about. You can about. say fuck. But, yeah. Oh, I can't. What yeah. the fuck he's talking about. But that was one where you did see her just go, ha, ha, ha. Right. Like, she wasn't like a, it, she clearly wasn't upset by it. Right. Like, she got the vibe that he was saying something that was supposed to be funny. Right. But it is still insane. that. But there's a video with him and Jill Biden where they filmed in the SUV. Clearly, there's like, you know, some campaign aide like filming right. them. And she, my favorites are those videos because Jill starts out talking and you can see Joe's like, okay, that's enough. And he just like cuts her off in the middle. So she'll be like, and we really hope you'll support her. Hey, listen, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what for. Boy, Jill's trying to like do it for you, Joe. Hey, put up your dukes. We got to send a salami to the boy in the army. Let me tell you something, pal. All of his stuff is from Turner Classic Movie Era. You're never going to take me alive, copper. Well, the, the 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 Tyrone Power, the dog face pony soldier thing. The thing I I've seen this a couple of times with with Biden. No matter how people respond to these sort of non jokes of his, he sees red immediately. Like like oh, yeah. he oh doubles God. down yes, and gets yes. more aggressive. With He's it. like me doing the show. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Mister. Hey, Mister Vice President, could you explain? Yeah. I'll tell you what I can explain. <laughs> you don't look right. You're like you got a sloppy face. Let me introduce some push-ups, eat some kale. Don't vote for me. Get the hell out of here. How many many people has he, how many times has he endorsed other people? Like indirectly told people to vote for someone else. If you want issues, if you want specifics, you better go vote for Bernie. Yeah. (laughs) What about, did you say the other, when he was like, Someone asked him a question. He's like, why, 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 yeah. why, why? And then he's like, oh, right? Why, why, why? why, why, why? Yeah. yeah. And then he goes oh, to him, yeah. calm down, guy. Calm down, man. Like he's the one freaking out. It's yeah, very. I love those. I, <laughs> I know. 
I'm I selfishly want him to cool, win. Him. Pal. Yeah, I interviewed sad. some of the people. He was he, he poked yeah. he he kind of serially poked people in Iowa poker. before the Iowa caucus. Yes. So I I ended up running into a bunch of those. And one of the guys is like. I had to have a friend tell me that guy's really poking you, like in the in the middle of it, like it was so aggressive that he wasn't even realizing it. Right? Yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah. So tell us, I I've known James for a while, yes. and I always I always say about James that here's the thing about James, he was an econ theater double major. Oh my god, you know too. Much. I'm such a nerd. I'm like such a, a, a Jew. I'm your Jewish Armenian. And I did. I had a self designed me- major that I did not graduate in. That's, right. that's, that's that's a perfect background for a comedian. Well, uh-huh. that yeah. yeah, but it's I because what's so great about both of you is that you're not just like incredible mimics and impersonators and comedians, but you really get the you have you're like you really nerd out on the policy stuff, but also like on their personalities. So yeah. tell me, tell us about um, your background. Um, oh, and uh, like, do you do you also like James come from a political and theatrical background? Uh, came from a dark hall lit yeah. by candles. <laughs> well, I uh, grew up in a family with my mom was in the tribe of Hare in Boston, and she was a political activist and card carrying socialist. And my father was in the folk scene and played with Janis Joplin and the band and a bunch of different things. So I grew up in sort of a very hippie household. I don't think I had, I had Carob until I was seven. Oh, I'm so sorry. This is where the healing starts. That's right. And (laughs) so I started, oh, Carob's gross. So, uh, so I grew up in, you know, where we went and like, went to Seabrook and like chained right. ourselves to right. the fences right. when I was like eight. And nice. you know, just any fences or any the- fences, not even near the like nuclear a nice power house, plant. Nice house, yeah. yeah. Nice house. Yeah. And, but so I grew up in a politically active family um, and was always fascinated with politics. And I had like a letter exchange with Richard Nixon when I was in like eighth grade. Didn't you go to he college in Nixon's, Nixon's hometown? No, he did. Oh, you he did. Went, I'm sorry. Okay. I went to Emerson college. Oh, right. Okay. Um, I think my, I once saw Mike Dukakis on the E train going to uh, Northeastern to teach. And I <laughs> he sat next to me and I turned to him and I went, you Mike Dukakis, right? And he went, yep. I went, 88 was a real bitch, huh? <laughs> and he went, yep. Yes, it really? was. Yes, it was great. And his <laughs> son, John, uh, son John, I think he's on Twitter. And I said some, a joke about Dukakis on Seth Meyers. And he wrote me and was like, that's my dad. And I was like, oh, I was kidding. And I've written him since then. And it's funny. The Dukakis is very dry Boston humor. Yeah. They're very dry Boston people. So like, I always was in school politics and comedy. I did improv right. and comedy. Was, yeah. And I did I the governor, Bill Wells. You know, I changed the state laws so that there were student representatives on parent teacher councils in Massachusetts. Like I was like very into synthesizing both sides of it. And uh, then I started doing improv at UCB and, you know, I've worked on 30 Rock and you know, things like that. What was, was your, an actor and your you know. letter exchange with Nixon? I wrote him because I did a project on Nixon because I have a strange thing with um, sort of villainous right. politicians. I'm obsessed with them and I want to know why they are. I want to know the human part of them. Like, I want to know what was the frailty of you that led to you. Right. And Nixon was so fascinating to me because he really had a really tr- tough childhood. Yeah, he also had a traumatic uh, brain injury right. when he was, uh, I think, six or seven years old. A wagon wheel <laughs> ran over his oh head. That's like somebody- <laughs> he had an injury from the 1800s. Yeah, it's true. He fell off a wagon. Travel, and travel. they were like, here's a quitter. And so- Sounds um, like a Joe Biden in- so I, insult. He's like, oh, yeah. On a wagon wheel so right I now. wrote him a letter and just said, oh, it'd be great. In, in this report I was doing, and he sent me back a letter from his New York office. I was like, a young man like you is interested in an old dog like me. And it was like- like a very sort of, you know, 
platitudinal well, letter. It wasn't like he was like, and I'll tell you what I did with the right. Watergate. I, <laughs> I write my form letters by by pencil, yeah. by hand. Yeah. Uh, but he was like, Pat and I, or, you know, and by that, Pat Buchanan. Yeah, right. <laughs> the great thing about Tony, having toured with him four, four and five years ago, and again now, is I, I he has met so many famous people that are not like the famous people you should meet, but they're like people from like other eras. And he meets them. Some of them good people, bad people, just like people who are famous for being famous. He collects more famous people than anybody I've ever met. I've just, oh, I don't know why. I always end up being in situations where... Who are some of the others? Oh, God. I mean... Which ones can you talk about? <laughs> uh, Tony Bennett, obviously, I've met multiple obviously times. Obviously, he's met Tony. Yeah, yeah. I that was right, that was right in my the, brain, yeah. I guess it's my story. So I'm yeah. like, obviously, yeah, yeah, I met him four times. Uh, I mean, Tony Bennett, um, uh, well, Dennis Kucinich, I had did a long interview with Dennis Kucinich, and his breath yeah. was so neutral. It was amazing. <laughs> oh, wow. I have never encountered a person whose breath was just... Like air. That's great. Like That's parsley. Ideal. Parsley oil. Did he eat parsley? I'm That'll do it. Yeah. But then Vigo uh, Mortensen Love was, him. so he was, remember, stumping for him in 2008, mm. right? So we were in Manchester at the, what is the Ramada, was the Ramada. I don't know what it is now. And um, so we interviewed Vigo for this HuffPo, like off the bus thing we were doing, my friend Mary and I. And we got to talk to Kucinich and his like wife, who was like, stepped out of oh, like yeah. Lord of the Rings. Right. She's got like long, red beautiful hair. red hair. And you're like, Kucinich literally does look well, like Gollum. Oh. And then... <laughs> no, I think this is a Kucinich positive space, so we can well, do that. That's okay. I mean, I he does. Kucinich is a Gollum-y guy. So, um, I was actually manufactured in a factory. It was, uh, <laughs> I was the last one off the line. <laughs> but I went into the bathroom after the interview with Vigo and I was like standing at the urinal like peeing and then I hear like a hand like slaps my shoulder he's like that was a great interview and it was Vigo and he's just like peeing next to me talking to me and I'm like is this my Eastern Promises moment is he gonna kick my ass in the bathroom (laughs) I was like what is happening and I'm not the type of person who's like let's talk and piss like I'm like please private quiet time so yeah this is a distinction with women women never encounter this yeah Yeah. you know what I mean I don't don't believe in the urinal I hate so, urinal conversations. Yeah. I'm like, I want to get in and get out. Um, yeah, but so Bill Weld, I used to wait on Ted Kennedy and John Kerry. Oh, wow. Ted Kennedy was an incredible tipper, like Good. always 30%, yeah. really great tipper. And Kerry was like 3%. Because he's a wasp. It's oh, no. Total, no, he's, well, he's a wasp. He is a wasp, right? And he lived on um, a little cul-de-sac on Beacon Hill. And one night I was tripping on mushrooms in college and I pulled a wrought iron fence out of this, a, a spike out of this fence. And I just spun around and threw it in the air willy nilly and it pierced Teresa Hines Carey's car, like her Mercedes. Her. Wow. No. And I, alarms went off. We, we ran, this was when he was running against Weld for Senate. And the next day there was like an article in like the Beacon Hill paper that said, um, that said, uh, uh, Carey car vandalized. And there was like, uh, cop cones around there and they thought some Weld operatives had oh, done it. It was oh. an accident. Wow. It was, it was an accident. An and accident. I, unfortunately, I was wearing winter gloves. So I no never, no one, no one's known this until I've confessed <laughs> say, it here. Yeah, attention, Massachusetts State Statute Police. Statute of limitations yeah. is right up. Yeah. And then I approached him last year. He was at the Four Seasons and my mom, we took her there for her birthday. And he came in and I went over the table because the waiter who like waited on my grandmother, this like person who's like been there forever. 
Uh, I went over and I said, Secretary Kerry, and I, I was like, nice to uh, meet you. I've actually met you before. And I said, listen, I was a waiter for you a long time ago. Please tip this waiter better nice. than you <laughs> tip me. What do you say? All his family started laughing and he was just like... Oh, yeah. So you see, Tony. Like, um, Tony has had run-ins with everyone who ran for president between the years right. 1972 and 1992, <laughs> which is funny because that's the exact time period that every pundit who says Bernie can't win uh, seems to stop at 1972. Yes, like, that's right. where politics ends. McGovern, and that's it. Here's the big. Here's the big to me. The big difference. Everybody. Well, McGovern was the last le- yeah. to candidate, and he lost so big. He was never polling well against Nixon. Yeah. From the very beginning, right. he was polling at a 20% deficit, right. whereas Bernie's out polling Trump now right. and always has. And also, McGovern was a terrible public speaker. Yeah. You see yeah. video footage of him and he's like, well, right. if you vote for me, you're the only person who's going to vote for me. Right. Didn't he have this psychology? Wasn't that him who had the psychology yes. scare? Eagleton. Yeah, right. there was the whole problem with his VP pick. Right. I mean, there were all kinds of There's, things that yeah. happened in that and campaign. And also so many people yeah. have lost who have been, like, look at, why don't we talk about 2016? Right. Like, it's you know, 1984. Yeah, or, yeah you know. and he didn't run in, he didn't run in 68 and then run again in 72. Right, yeah, he didn't. It's, I don't know why the they map McGovern. I think that's well, some weird so boomer that scare. Just, like, but it's like a PTSD boomer scare. That's, yeah. yeah. Also, he was the last guy left standing after the government got rid of a lot of great leaders. In the late right. The, right, the great purge. Let's face it, that yeah. was a purge. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And James, so unlike you, you came from a conservative background. Yeah, unfortunately. And it's interesting. Yeah, but I give people like you so much credit because like I will, I was like you, Tony, I was like born in, in the... Yeah, born in into an easier situation yeah, so it was like, to it was not easy. reject. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you really... Uh, you're more of a hero because you rejected yeah. your I'm upbringing. Not, I'm not a hero. It was some traumatic years being uh, That's sort what heroes of a young self hero. No, I was a young, self-hating gay, and right. it was and, and oh. then college, um, college and education, and actually uh, patient conversations and losing arguments with, right. to people who weren't yelling at me right. was like a very formative part of the process. Yeah, and also I have to say. I worked on the college, uh, like college media, radio station, creative people, theater and stuff. The people who were like more fun to hang out with and talk to were never the conservatives on campus. And that was like, that was, I mean, that was one of the things that like pulls you over where you're like, I don't want to hang out with those guys. I want to hang out with these people. James also has a famous mathematician grandfather. Wow. Oh, yeah. George Adomian. Really? I looked at the book. Method. I looked at the book when I was at his apartment. It's crazy. It's yeah. like all math. Yeah, it's all math. <laughs> There's not much I, I can say I looked at the about book it. and I was like, I don't even understand if someone gets this book, what do they do? Right. Um, A mathematician must be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> You don't laugh. You don't laugh at math. <laughs> because you know it. It's like, it's all Greek to me or else I'd be hilarious. I'd be in stitches right now if I understood it. Like yeah. the mwahaha kind of laugh. Right? Oh. Yeah, like, yeah. That, that's that, the yeah. kind of laugh yeah. when yeah. you truly grasp it. Ow. Yes. <laughs> uh, do you think that's still true, though? That conser- the, that uh, only yeah. the conservatives are? I mean, the, when we were growing up, Lived conservatives were not. It was like impossible now. to be conservative and funny. Right. Yes. Now I think that's kind of true all over the place. Like, who's who's not funnier now? I don't right. know. You mean is it you're like saying neo, it's like, like hard? Like MSNBC is kind of a no no humor zone. Like like, uh, yeah, I mean, there's always going to be humorless people that find their their way into the spotlight. Oh, centrist lib, lib comics, yeah. well, like Bill Maher is that right? Yeah. Isn't he sort of? But isn't he sort of like a centrist lib? He's comic? my favorite comedian. Yeah, <laughs> you love Bill Maher. He's your as favorite. like a subject, I mean, as as someone you. to to impersonate. Right. He's like great. 
great material. But I'm saying, right? No, I'm not saying. Yeah, no, no, no. I know he's yeah, great. Yeah. I'm saying no, 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 yeah. that's what you mean by. Yeah, I mean, okay. there's like so much kind of like. It's funny, as the world has in some ways shifted to the left, I mean, to me, I really do see Sanders as this watershed moment, and you could also trace it back to Occupy, but as the world has shifted to the left... Back to the center. Back to the center. Well, that too, but no, it's you know what it is? It's that as the political, like, not idea, as as we've seen leftism articulated as, as not outside of the mainstream, right? As like things like Medicare for all have been exposed to have mainstream support, right? Yes. As like we've seen that, I do feel like the people, like I used to have a a different limit in what I talked about. Like that was too radical. Like among friends, of course I advocated for it, but I didn't want to alienate people. And as now, thanks to Bernie and the movement and everything, these things are no longer like like radical things. They're not taboo. Yes, then the people who stay with like socially liberal jokes are kind, they kind of suck now in a way they didn't suck as much before because they were closer to the edge before. So that's interesting. That, you know that's, interesting. I mean? that's interesting because I think for me, I feel like Reagan was this like if 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 Nixon put the 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 you know the golf ball on the tee, Reagan drove it down yeah. the fairway, right? And it sort of feels like you could see like this demarcation point in eighty where everything just shatters right it all shatters like yes you know there were failings i mean carter kind of got us involved in afghanistan like there's a lot of things that i think now we i have an old socialist leaflet that's like get carter out of afghanistan it's like amazing that was tom hanks you're incorrect yeah but like so i think that what we're also seeing is this undoing of 45 or 40 50 i don't know how many years it is 40 years of this dark track that has led to all of these uh, um, tangential uh, things that have changed the language. So I think like uh, the Nixon Reagan one two punch. In terms of yeah. my in terms of my interaction, I understand what you're saying, which is with my conservative relatives, like my uncle and stuff. I would definitely uh, meter how I spoke. Right. But um, I think it is interesting that even the labels. It's like to me, I always look at what Bernie says and go, "That's Americanism. That's like sure. what." FDA, that's like yeah. what we were supposed to be after the war and and how, you know, Beirut was the Paris of the Middle East. And like we were traveling internationally and there was more exposure right. and cultural overlap from the war. And somehow we lost all of that and shrunk it to the Cold War. And like we're really returning actually to the thing we were finally sure. starting right. to become. Right. So I think even the labels of left and right, which at some are sort of uh, not great because at some point if we were to achieve this thing we'll always want to have a sort of just like the brain is bicameral we're gonna have in society the part that wants to sort of reduce shrink and slow and the part that wants to expand explore and go and they both are important each one meters and 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 make sure to have a relationship with the other the problem is that we've become schizophrenic where both of the hemispheres are firing without any Oh, is that we can't say that? Well, unless oh. we want it, you have to be schizophrenic positive, probably. I'm, yeah. I'm just, I'm trying to. Oh, oh, it. I was like, oh no. I mean, schizophrenia, no, yeah, right, yeah. in the sense of the misfiring yes, yeah, yeah. of the mind and the in, incapability of the hemispheres to have relationship yeah. with each other, which is part of the condition, is I think that's happened in the United States. So I think if you look at it, the mapping psychologically, maybe it'll be a, a getting on some meds and mm, cooling right. us out. Uh, you know, That's I, my I don't think we're ever going to there's uh, human human beings will always have some people who are what we would call conservative and right. some people who we would call 
progressive. Yeah. Those those mindsets and those traditions politically, are, I think, are going to always be with us right. and probably always have, even in different sort of social organizations. Um, uh, I think the question is, what's the baseline of where you're you're starting as a society? Like, where where are the right. the basic rules? I think, and I'm kind of a moderate radical. I like that's I really like Bernie Sanders for that rate that for that reason because he's always he's like it's not so radical to exactly. say that everybody should be able to see oh a talk. God, that's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do do you think it's so extreme? And right. I and I do think it's a it, a lot of what you're talking about about the Overton window having yeah. shifted. Yes, um, that's basically uh, this is our third podcast in a row with the, I pledge not to use that term ever. Oh, really? But we already got him on film using yeah, it, yeah, so fine. Right. I, 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 I adhere to the Rick Overton window. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. We got to get Com- him on. Comedy, yeah. comedy. You got to get him on, yeah. Um, Hi, Rick. So, um, uh, I, I think the credit goes for a lot of uh, changes that we've seen to mass movements and a generational shift that where the credit should be spread out to thousands, sure. if not sure. millions of people. I do think that Bernie Sanders is a uh, uniquely um, uh, powerful spokesman or like the the sharp edge of the spear tip yeah. where he's, he's such a clear communicator. He speaks like the old film strip with the bouncing ball yeah. where it's like, you can follow my words. The rhetoric is clear. And we, you, you'll see somebody tries to throw him off. Yeah. He sticks to the yeah. same cadence. I believe in X, Y, and Z. Yeah. That's a very important <laughs> final three letters of the alphabet. And so I think he's he's a unique uh, personality right. in that he's such a charismatic, uh, uh, kind of anachronistically, not right. anachronistic, uh, you wouldn't expect how great It's it, like anti-charisma charisma. Anti-charisma charisma is a great way to put it. And he's a clear, a clear communicator, which I think, I don't think he deserves all the credit no, for this, but, but, but he is yes. uniquely placed right. for this time yes. and sort of gels with what the, right. gener- the younger generations are ready for. Don't yeah. you think Bernie's method of presentation is more strategic than he gets credit for like in other, in other words people think that he's just completely this un- unvarnished right. and that's who he is but i think he's actually quite subtle about what how, how, how he presents himself because well, you see him when he's off stage or when it's like low low key burning and it's yeah. very you know it's very quiet he's just right. talking right. i think we have to come together and there is this other setting when he knows right. there's a big audience right. And so he knows how to milk the room right. for laughs and right. stuff and like the applause lines. Right. I make this joke in the show where he's like, I can almost force an audience to applaud on cadence alone. Right. <laughs> That's exactly where they come in. Right, he does yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, but I think he's well aware that right. when he is being spun by people like MSNBC, like Chris Matthews, that they're going to twist what he's saying and make it sound worse. And when he's at a rally and the cameras are on or he's at a debate and it's his time to talk, that is a rare chance to communicate the ideas. And so I think you see him stick to his talking points. Yeah. Um, And I think it's good because he knows that the deck is stacked against him rhetorically with the people who will be commenting on what he's saying in the press. I think it's both. I think it's like he naturally is like that. And he's a shrewd. He's shrewd. I mean, he's very much the same person off. Uh, off yes. the record as he is on the record, right. but there, I, th- I, I do think he pays a lot of attention to how his image works right. in public. Well, and, as he and, should, right? Because yeah, he's no, running yeah, for yeah, office. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. yeah, he's a po- I mean, I think he's a true politician. He's yeah. been in it for 30 plus years, right? And yeah. he survived in Vermont, you know, as an independent and survived in the Democratic Party as an independent right. senator. So I don't think you can, anyone at that level, 
Right, there's, you can't. There's yeah, just no way that, that it's all completely just all shucks. Like right, it's right. that's just doesn't exist. He knows what he's doing. He knows what his strengths are, and I think he it's probably knows what his weaknesses yeah. are. <laughs> and so I think he likes to play to his strengths. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's good at it. Yeah. Um, when mm-hmm. when you're doing an impersonation, where do you start? Do you start with the voice, the gestures, uh, the words that they prefer? Like how does how does this work? Personally, I always start with seeing it on TV and just kind of talking back to the TV. Oh, is that your, is that your thing? If, if I hear somebody say a similar thing once or twice, then I'm going, I kind of start to say it back to them if it, if it, if it strikes me as something interesting. So you like, see Chris Matthews or whoever. Yeah, okay, it's politics, obviously. As the great Chip O'Neill once said, progress can only go so far. <laughs> you, know, you see him say something and you just start wanting to be, I'm to bark, 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 bark right back at the screen. Do you you that there should be a game where you just take a Chris you just take a historical moment and you make it you have link Chris it Matthews to today. Comment on yeah, it. like whatever Bernie is doing is some kind Bernie of Bernie Sanders. Clearly, a clearly, a, there's a clear line between Bernie Sanders and Henry VIII. I think <laughs> a Democratic Party is suffering the way Anne Boleyn did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the eyebrows are good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's excellent. Yeah. And, uh. He's he's amazing. I you love you you hate to see it. You love to see it. How did yeah. you figure out Trump? Yeah, how, yeah. yeah. A lot of people uh, Trump. Yeah. I mean, I thought that Trump was a uh, an overdone impression when I had to do it. So like, I mean, I improvised him and and did him, you know, uh, on stage and probably a bad impression, I think. And then um, when I knew we had to do the show together, I was like, like I knew we had to like tour. I was like, I can't just do this sort of like hackneyed thing. Cause I mean, I'm a, probably more of an actor than an impressionist, you know, I'm an improviser. I don't have like a battery of people I do. So I sort of took it from like an acting yeah. perspective. And so I would just watch his rallies and I would watch how he moved. And I noticed how he sat in his body. And I think from improvisation, the, key to being able to do like a strong character and I think I did a lot of character shows where I was doing like a one-off character for you know each uh week of a show so uh, the Tony show the Tony show yeah so which I did with my friend John it was the Tony and Johnny show and then he left and I kept doing it um that uh I feel like I always have to credit John so I I I Sorry. considered since I improvise first and probably write second that I needed to figure out in my psyche where's the Trump part of my psyche. Mm. And if I could understand <laughs> that and let that come forward, then if I can do the voice and the body, then I can just let that part of my uh, psyche right. talk and then I can improvise in any way I want. So you, ta- you like tap into it. I like did it inside kind of, out. Right. So I do inside out. So do you I'm, have a developed inner Trump? I mean, like, is there a lot of it in there? Or? I mean, not like, I think this is another thing that happens because people go, oh, is it like a tortured thing or whatever? And it's like, I mean, no, I mean, it's it's a part of your brain that you're just turning on and turning off. You just have that's your job. That's like my job is to do that. Right. Right. So I think if I got poisoned psychologically from playing him, then there would be like a huge problem. So like you just turn on. You wake up in the morning. I mean, the only thing was is that I had to condition my mouth to to do a lower jaw roll that it didn't do. And now I find I do it. If I'm not paying attention, What's the lower dr- like Trump, scary. so Trump goes like, right, and yeah, does this, right. and so I don't do that. Right. And I found when I was doing him on the president show, and I was doing him every week for three or four times a week, a, 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 a week, I would have some things that I would do that were unconscious, but 
I felt like if I want to do that character and be able to play in any space with that character, I have to keep that Develop stuff. So it takes muscle. about two to three weeks for me to not go like give a thumbs up when That's I give a picture so yep. or to go like this. And so like if I'm making a Pinching point, hands. sometimes yeah. I'll do yeah. this yeah. and pull in. It's all about center of gravity. And the highest compliment I probably got was from the now jailed Roger Stone. Who said the came highest up to compliment me. Yeah. from Roger Stone? Roger, well, he was around him the most, yeah, right? Yeah. So I consider from a person who was around right. him. He said, "You do his presence." He wow. goes, "I've never seen anyone who can make me feel like he's there." So another famous random person yeah. that you—how do you meet Roger Stone? Oh, at Politicon, that cesspool. Oh, right. And uh, I, uh, thanks, Politicon. I was in. Thank you, Politicon, for hiring us. Um, <laughs> I was in the room with you know, it's like Joanne Reed and you know all those people, all the sort of outstanding in the green room, yeah. right? And Roger was uh, holding court. He has the strangest little like. You could probably hit the woke button here. He's like a pinhead, you know? I mean, yeah. he's like a circus pinhead. And yes, it's really so is, yeah. narrow and bizarre. And he yeah. grabbed my arm and went, he knows. He knows what you do. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. Oh, he was saying that about Trump. Trump, yeah. I mean, I don't even know if that's true. Right. And um, he said the presence thing, which whether it's true or not, I took it as a compliment. And then I immediately asked him, like, what crimes has he committed? And he, like, pivoted <laughs> away from the And then things. he flew off on a steampunk bicycle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Do you think he was pulled out with forceps or something? Is that why you think he has the pinhead thing? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe that, or maybe he did some that like happens. shaping, yeah. head no, shaping. Know, yeah. Well, yeah, head well, head you shaping. know, in um, Pakistan, cult, in Pakistani culture, they actually do shape uh, the boy's head. Uh, they shape the head to have a higher uh, forehead. Really? Have, yeah. How do they do nice. it? They, the, yeah, they you have can, like little yeah, yeah. Um, vite. Uh, in the moment, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Vite, little vite, you can shape the head right at the Like top. in the moment in birth? Yeah, as it comes, as the baby comes out, they'll press. It's like a cultural thing to Ooh. have a, a higher head there. Wow. Yeah. Someone should do a, that's a good reality, uh, the green room uh, encounters. Right? You mean like most warp a reality show, yeah, most like most warp baby head. head. Yeah, or, green yeah. room encounters or baby. What is it? Uh, er, what is or room? Yeah, what mis mysteries of the or. Like I was yeah. gonna say if you did like next room, top yeah. baby, where each baby comes out and you have to like press it in different higher ways to make its skull <laughs> like, an like different shape. Yeah. yeah, so you have like a star-headed baby. Right. The Roger Stone. You have the Roger Stone. <laughs> yeah, the Roger um, Stone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, I saw him at, in Cleveland. I was walking in, during the RNC. I was walking down the street. And I, there was a big crowd next to me, and I looked over, and who is it? Lo and behold, first I see someone in a Clinton rape shirt. Like, instead <laughs> of saying hope, it says rape, and it has Clinton. Um, and Bill that, Clinton? Yeah. Okay. He which was is, wearing which, the shirt. Yeah, right. <laughs> he, is a, he is a bragger. But, which is not, I will say, um, it was Roger Stone, and he was next to Alex Jones. Oh. And I, because I was like bum, wearing, bum, 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 I was wearing bum, a sundress bum, and I looked bum, 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 unthreatening. <laughs> I, I I don't know if I was wearing my Make America Great hat, um, which I had to be like undercover or if I was holding it, but I didn't look very threatening. So his entourage like let me approach him, Alex Jones, and he's very good on his feet because I was like, hi, um, how are you? Because yep, I didn't plan. We're trying to expose plan. the truth. Wow, like, we're finding out exactly what the globalists are up to. <laughs> Basically, can rattle it I off. was like, "How are you?" He's like, "I'm. Oh, well, I'm having a good time. I always, I always have a good time taking on tyranny." Yeah, like, taking on. Like he doesn't have an off button. No, it's he always, doesn't. Well, it's good. It's great. Great weather. Great yeah. weather to take on the truth about what happened with Rex eighty four. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's incredible. of government. You will not win. And He's then incredible. I asked him, who I was like, so who are you supporting? And he's like, oh, Trump all the way, obviously, Trump all the 
away. And I was like, do you have any reservations? And he was like, well, I don't like some of the torture stuff. I but saw at least, that clip. Yeah, you did. But at least he's honest about it. Uh-huh. And then he said something about how Hillary was going to take over the world. And I was like, so what don't you like about Hillary in terms of policies? Like, well, uh, she's a big fat goblin. And I <laughs> laughed because I was like, that's so not policy. But I think probably people who hate me thought I was laughing like, ah, that fat goblin. Then I don't know if he actually thought she was a, like, I don't know if that's a conspiracy theory. Like, like a he literal goblin? Thinks, yeah, she's a little uh, goblin. No, I mean, I, 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 yeah, is no. he that far no, gone? Yeah, I think no. that's probably just his go-to uh, insult. Right, right. I don't know, you know. I a wa- lot of projection, a lot of goblin self-loathing. Well, I watched his like appearance on that uh the Rogan thing that was like four hours. And I was like, I'm going to watch. I just want to see. I kind of got caught up in it. I don't think I watched the whole thing. But um, I think it is sort of like, I do think he buys, again, I think that's a person who's on the mental yeah, edge. So it's gonna and say, there's yeah. sort of a narrative. And he's also a very good conspiracy weaver. He's a great conspiracy weaver. There's like people you'd meet like in Harvard Square in the 80s, you know, otherwise known as like deranged people. Yeah, I'm familiar. And, yeah, yeah. Right? And so, you know, those people, and yeah. they would be able to sort of like talk to you. It's like a LaRouche table, a right? LaRouche table. They would just be able, and he's like right that. Because he has certain key things he does where he wants, he's, I've watched it and I went, oh, I, you are like a little improviser. Because he teased something up. So he goes, oh, let me tell you, you know, he'll be like, there's some secret thing, uh, you know, a secret plan. It's a secret yeah, thing. I don't want to tell you. Depopulation. It's FEMA. It's based he, on FEMA. But he stalls through it. So he sort of, right. he says things to stall through it while he comes Find up with what or, the yeah. thing is going right. to be. So I think it is a combo of making it up. And but then I think he believes it as he's saying it. So it's great. He's like his own storyteller. Right. He like comes up with something he doesn't believe. And then as he's Commits. saying, he's like, this is great. This is great. And then he believes it by the end. Right. So I, I think it's both. I think he makes things up and believes them. Right. As he, and also reptilian goblin stuff. That stuff like is as old as David it. Icke. Yeah. And, right. you know, you've got all kinds of intersections of you know, conspiracy is rooted in anti-Semitism all right. the way back to right. the secret yeah. doctrine and right. all that stuff written by Blavatsky in the in 19th century. You know what I didn't realize so until recently? I know all that shit. Is that, you know, Christian Parenti, <laughs> great um, writer. Uh, anyway, Christian Parenti, Pointed it's out not to Michael me, Parenti? his his son actually. Oh, yeah. okay. And he and um he's writing a book on Hamilton. He writes for Jacobin, and he's actually he's great. But um he pointed out that a big role of anti-Semitism in terms of like the pogroms were was debt liquidation. Yeah. Like I didn't realize that yeah. until like people had debt, they didn't yeah. want to pay it off. They're like, let's just go kill on them. A pogrom. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah, Jesus Christ. I know. This is a yeah. we got two comedians, so let's talk about the pogrom. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's great material, great fodder, yeah. Um I think that I think that uh Alex Jones um is I think uh, people are his enemies are happy to let him run his mouth because yeah. I think one out of ten things he says is probably a real thing right. that's that's an injustice yeah. committed by right. the 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 elites who yes. run the our country right. and yeah. our government. And but it's ninety percent of it is absolute horseshit. He right. believes in a literal Satan. Right. So it's like this guy believes in Satan and doesn't shut up about him. Yeah. <laughs> Let him keep talking yeah. because right. if he calls us the bad guys, he looks like me makes it look like we're the good guys. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 He remember he said something about people he was like pretending that some protesters were actually Jewish like 
looked like Seinfeld or something. It is so remember? funny. The he he's he knows that he's not supposed to be anti-Semitic, right? But he falls into it all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you see him sometimes going like, "Yeah, they're it's you know they're obviously they're you know merchants." Not that yeah. that's right. you see him catch himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He didn't call them Jews. I think he was like, "They're New Yorkers. Merchants. They're like they look oh, like they." I think they're from Seinfeld. <laughs> they're from Seinfeld. Yeah. Uh, he also has a theory about baby milk and breastfeeding and how like formula makes your head. Oh, it makes you mentally retarded. Like, literally. Uh, he's like, uh, no. Well, th- I'm quoting him. So I got to him. I won't deny him agency. I, I won't deny him agency. But he's like, sure. It, 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 are you mentally retarded? Because if did you not have breast milk? I'm, I'm serious. I, I feel bad for you. He was like pretending to have a teachable moment where he was really reaching out to this guy. Could and, be true. Yeah. Maybe if he had, maybe if he had. Uh, I mean, that's received, the one I believe, by the way. Right. If he had received the, the mental care he needed, he might have been a, a nice, enterprising lawyer to go right. after some companies that. Right, an ACLU attorney. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I worked at the. I'm going to make this admission. I worked at the Blaze for a year. Really? That, that was your rebellion. Like, James left his conservative. No, it wasn't even a rebellion. It was that they had a sketch show. They had this thing called the. Uh, BS of A, that's what it was called. And the Blaze is a right wing. Uh, oh, so yeah. Know, the Blaze is a right wing. Oh, yeah. well, well, I had just lost, so I just lost a, my other sort of TV job. And I had two friends who were improvisers from UCB who I won't name, so I don't hurt their careers. Uh, and they were writing over there. And it was like sort of like, you know, it was like a former SNL writer. And, and, and they're like, listen, it's, you know, it's a sketch thing. You do characters. Sure. That's all you do is you do a character. And then this guy interviews the character and it's a segment of the show. So I hemmed in. I kind of was like, Ugh, I don't know. But then I went, OK, I'll do it as long as I never have to do anything against my own political ideology. Right. If you guys want to do the show, whatever you guys yeah. want to say about Obama, whatever, as long as when I'm there, I my character never is right. against, you know, whatever. So I did it. I I did the job. And I also was like, I want to see what it is like in one of these places. And it was so fascinating to see how uh full of it, how full of it everybody is, in the sense that in the behind the scenes, you know, there's people p- people of color, gay, trans people work. I mean, the one our hair and makeup guy was a uh, trans performer on the weekends wow. and Glenn like went to their wedding and was part of their, uh, Glenn Beck. A, yeah, it was a part of their like um, wedding party. It's Glenn Do you know what I'm saying? So like you right. behind the scenes, you're going, wait a, a minute, girl. all you people are hucksters. He was a flower girl. You're all hucksters, right? You, you saw your true believers, your bow tie true believers, but so many people who you're like, oh, this is right. just right. The, the side you picked yeah. to make money. You know, but I do remember my crowning achievement was they had me play Hitler on one of the panels. And so I came out and I just the entire panel because it gravitate towards a lot of historic. I love playing historic villains. Yeah. I said how much I love Glenn Beck and how his ideas were the closest to mine. And I Glenn Beck stood up and clapped. Uh, No, but he did. I got a note uh, later that was like, that was very funny. How did you know? Tisk tisk, but that was very funny. To the and, camps. And then I was gone. Yeah, to the camps. And then I was gone pretty soon after that. But so my year at the Blaze gave me an, a window into that world, that burgeoning world, the young Tommy Lorenz and stuff. When, it was what year was this? Or 2013, or oh, yeah. 2014. Yeah. Really quickly, as somebody who's studied uh, Trump's presentation. Yeah. 
where's the inspiration? Where did that come from? Is there? I feel like when I when when I watch Trump, there's a little bit of Borscht Belt in the way he yes. presents himself. Yeah. Like, yeah. What's what's the background for Trump's physical presentation? Yeah, unfortunately, he's got that sort of like older style comedian yeah. Energy, vibe. And he, yeah. get, he lands real jokes. And he plays the room. He really does. He knows. Yeah. Right. It's a very complicated presentation, actually. If yeah. you watch him, I mean, it's, it's you know, he, he, he's well, worked at it. I think that it's a mix of he thinks he's a rat. I think there's a part of him that thinks he's a rat packer. So I think that there's a part of him that thinks he's a Rat Packer kind of tough guy and maybe, you know, Dean Martin mixed with Sinatra, that sort of swagger. I always would say that he was he would be Frank Sinatra if you put him in a bog for 3000 years and then pulled the body (laughs) out. And yeah. And then he was all bloated with like, you know, preservative liquid. And um, then I think there is a Borscht Belt. I also say he's like an open micer who somehow yes. just got like huge crowds. Yeah. And I think it's a thing that you've watched evolve. I think the performed version of him on television was far more about um, I'm a businessman and more controlled and a more like casual New York business, like uh, a tighter version of that, that um, rat packer. I think that we watched a, a human being find their bliss right in front of us. I think that him doing those rallies, I think was a true discovery for him. I think he had this Mm -hmm. discovery and he started to each rally, because I watched from the very first one and I watched every one of them to really learn. And there was the the Ben Carson belt bit, there was the water bit with Rubio. And you watched him it was like watching a person find their bliss and discover who they were. Yeah. And in a way, it <laughs> was really themselves. interesting. He found himself in front of people that he would never touch in a million years. But in the collective, because they're giving him love, he sees them as an extension of him. So that's why he tells the story very tribally. Everything is about we, us, them. Right. That's not a calculation that is an actual outcropping of his psyche happening in front of you watching him absorb those people that individually he would be like get them away from me don't touch my hands you disgusting pig but in because he's a germaphobe yeah he's a germaphobe too and so um i think that you have uh this idea also of a man and i think that comes from his older brother was an alcoholic and was sort of a confirmed bachelor and he flew a plane and he died of, you know, overdose. Oh, I and I think therefore his father, he was the second and not as, I think, sort of seen as the fuck up. And he had a Jewish friend that he used to visit for Seder every weekend until his father told him he couldn't go over there anymore. Uh, not Roy Cohen. And no, 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 like a little, a friend. Yeah, we yeah. met him. Wow. I, we interviewed him in the show. And they were best friends. And like, so imagine this, and this is not to go poor him, but right. every yeah, person, yeah. including the worst of the worst, Bin Laden, Hitler, you name it, are humans. And when we monsterify them and say there's something worse, we're actually taking away the thing that keeps us from not allowing that to happen again, right? And so I think here's a human whose mom wouldn't hug him, who had, I think, her own mental illness, who was screaming in the corner of the key foods. And I know this from family members who would witness this in Hollis. And one of my makeup people was her caretaker, Cash 
shoved all around the house. Like they were insane. They were insane old Queens cash money mafia people. When I interviewed the mafia people for my show, they all go, we all knew Trump's dad. We all knew Trump's dad. <laughs> and the other guy, the guy who was the top one who sold the gasoline. Um, I can't remember his name right now, but he was the top mob guy. He's even mentioned a good fellas. The Lucchese guy? Yeah. Okay. After the... Um, interview on our show mm -hmm. that he goes oh i talked to manafort this morning i had breakfast with him and i went what he's like i was like why didn't you bring that up in the show he's like yeah you know he was asking me about it, what he should do with the fbi and all this so frank frank francais that's what it is <laughs> uh -huh. so like all these people in his world he's like here i am swagger tough guy here i am rat packer i hold my body like a big boy thinks he holds his body and he stopped at 12. So everything you see is a boy who's just always on the edge of the end of adolescence. That's what it is. And so yeah. that's why it's not holding yourself like a man in the sense of what we think of as a man or whatever. It's a man trying to hold, a boy trying to hold right. himself like a man in his idea of what a man is, but he really has the sort of movement and swagger of B. Arthur. So... It's like there's this weird feminizing quality, not to use sort of genderizing no, no. terms, but he's okay, sort of yeah. like an old grandmother. He's like an old grandmother. Jewish and then, yeah, he's like a Jewish girl. We used to say that in the writer's room all the time. Yeah, and he has that fucking, yeah. you know. And so to me, the <laughs> layers of complexity of going, okay, I am an old woman, but I'm also trying to be a tough guy, but I'm a little boy. Right. And I got to be all those things. And I also have to swing and dance like Stevie Nicks once in a while. And throw Because you that. added that part in. No, at the church. When he's at the church oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's he sways like Stevie Nicks. That's he throws so his funny. freaking arms back and forth. So to me, what I love is he's a person who hates himself so deeply, right. but yet wants love so badly. And you watch him misfire at every stage. And that's really how you play and him. And yet it works. It works. It misfires, but doesn't misfire, right? But it's, yes, it, but you know, the, the, that's like, um, running debt at a, yeah. at a, at a casino. Right. You, you're gonna have to get, the house is gonna ask you to pay at some point. It's That's what, the difference. He's not making money. He's running into right. emotional debt. What you said was so important, though, and we make this point a lot, which is that, like, if you want to, if you're anti Trump, like, the resistance is not serving the function of resistance when all they say about Trump is like he's an existential threat and unprecedented. It's not like because we need to accept him or spin him as positive. But like you were saying, if you want to get rid of someone like Trump, yeah. you know, you have to understand why they're successful the way that they are. Yes. Which, like, Instead of just going, he's bad and how is this possible? Yeah, exactly. Because that's feeding the thing yes. that is actually totally. reinforcing yes, it's him. it's great free PR for him. It doesn't help that... Uh, they're uh, passing a lot of his legislation right. and approving his uh, illegal actions yeah. and a coup d'etat. It was so funny to see uh, the resistance completely support the attempted coup in Venezuela oh, and yeah. the actual coup d'etat in Bolivia. Yes. They had no objection to no, that. Yeah. The most evil president we've ever had, we have to get rid of him, but his two big major coup d'etat in South America right. were on board with that. Yeah. And then of course, the day that they began the uh, impeachment proceedings against him was the same day that they passed his free trade agreement. Yeah, I, I was Such a I was being metaphor. told I was being Such told on the metaphor. same day that like well we all agree with his free trade agreement, his new NAFTA. Right. But 
he's an unprecedented threat against the Republican yes. must be removed. Well, and, pick one. Right, exactly. And he's uh, erratic and he has dementia and he's a threat to the Republic. He must be removed. Cheeto Mussolini and he's great instincts when it comes to trade. And, and we'll That's confirm so his judges. Yeah, too. right. But they, Cheeto's they, shit is so stupid. And also, stupid. he's not, he doesn't have dementia. Yeah. And the thing with his, the breathing is he has loose dentures. Oh, is That's that what, what it is? is. Really? You, yeah, when he's talking, if you notice, if he talks for too long, he starts inhaling with his nose to suck the palate up. My grandmother used to do it. It's like, that's what's happening. That. And that's, that's okay. why he did that speech where he went, God bless the United States. It's because his dentures were dropping. That's How all. How great would it be if they fell out? Joe Biden yeah. has the honesty to just do that. I'm not going to sit here and suck the dentures back here. They're just going to fall right out. <laughs> fall when they fall, right? yeah. Bam. Blood in the eye. Yeah, what is that eye, that blood in the eye? Did you see when he said, um, find the rationale? Find that the rationale. Time, a lot, yeah, so this is, we, we discovered what should be his motto. He he wanted to, he I guess it was in the Senate, he, he wanted to bulldoze raids. He was complaining about raves, crack, houses. crack houses where they where they held raids and he's like raves, yeah. raves. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes. Oh, yeah. Where they held raves. Yeah. He wanted to go in there and just like find the rationale. Go after the promoter. Yeah. Yeah. The promoters, yeah. as he said it. He had some really? weird Irish. Yes. Bro yeah. It's so funny. I've never it's been amazing. to a rave in a crack house. I've it's been amazing. to an abandoned warehouse. Yeah, it, that's what it is. He, he, mixed yeah. them he, he didn't yeah. understand yeah. the difference. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was literally, it's so out of touch. I so saw the great. movie Go. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the movie Go and I didn't like yeah. it. There's open bisexuality happening down there with little blue pills. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and he's like, just fine. Go after the organ, the, uh, what do you do? The promoter. The promoter. That girl from Dawson's Creek. Hey, she's crazy, Dawson's Creek. She's doing the doing the MDMA. And we've got three or four independent motion pictures every year now between 1998 and 1999 <laughs> promoting this kind of rave culture. We got cracked down on an independent film. Scott Wolf, great talent from Party Five, <laughs> and now he's doing this go. And he's got to go to the polls, vote go. against Joe Biden. That reminded me of the Hillary Clinton. Um, I don't know who invented Pokemon Go, but I'm going to oh, need you to Pokemon, Pokemon Go, go to, to the polls. polls. My <laughs> sister-in-law mentioned that just the other day. She was like, what a stupid, stupid thing. Well, Because it was also like months after Pokemon Go had right. had its like right. thing. Yeah, yeah. So it was also like a terrible trickle down. Well, that's of, one of the reasons politicians are often such terrible comics right because right. the, they're they've been in a bubble for so long that the 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 timing on right. all these things I is don't terrible under, can i say this is something i truly have never understood and maybe you have to get into politics to do it but like i mean i not that like even even if you have a busy busy job like writing for a, a magazine or doing a television show or whatever you are aware of what's happening in the world right to some degree you get a little bit of what's going on how like how is it possible, especially as a politician? Wouldn't it be your number one job yeah, to, to have your finger on the, the pulse, pulse of yeah. what's or happening? Or pay someone else to have their finger on the pulse and report back to you? Sure, you but, would think. Problem, but that I think that's the problem. That's the problem. One more step of that yeah, when the right. person you're paying to have their finger on the pulse has outsourced it. One more. Oh step, yeah, and then and it creates the a delay. And they're yeah. also always like you can't. 
I feel like you need to do it because your interests will drive your intelligence. Right. When you get the middle person, you're always getting some like market bro, market right, babe, yeah. BS asshole, and superficial, you know. Oftentimes, shithead. It's an upper class politician right. hiring upper class someone's son, right. who can or daughter. Will, they can Robin afford to take types. an internship yeah. in the first place right. to get into the industry, and then right. that's they're, they're just if they're talking to someone right. who's always been an elite. I actually that was one of my favorite moments of of Hillary Clinton's. Um, campaign because when she said that line that joke she actually was genuinely and sincerely cracked up she was like oh, yeah, she, liked it. she liked and that Tim joke came behind her grinned ear to ear it was i was moved it was like the most sincere it was like amadeus ever remember him. when he's like grazia signora yeah. you know she was like i'm such a badass and he was like look at he'll go like it was really one of the most human moments of uh either of their uh well, you know, the joke, I, the political joke, I really can't get enough of. I hope I get to see it again. Is the the Klobuchar joke oh, that's going on? We, oh my god! Oh, I say to here's what I said. Donald Trump was, I like to see how your <laughs> hair would fare in a blizzard. It's so it's so great. great. She and wakes then, up screaming that in the night. What about with the one with Melania, where she's like, it's like looking in a mirror. Oh my god! Because they're both from Slovenia. Oh, her ancestor, and she's right. like, I'm Slovenian, and Donald Trump's wife, Melania, is Slovenian. And when I look at her, it's like looking in a mirror, Klob Mob. I, the only other famous Slovenian in America is Slavo Žižek, yeah. and he's not famous. Can you, can you, um... This crisis of Slovenian misrepresentation on the presidential level is a crisis of not only philosophy, but also the madness of the cultural sphere. <laughs> That's like, that's one of the best. I hope I'm wrong. I'm very hopeless about all of this. I think that even if Bernie wins, I don't think Trump's going to leave. And I think if Trump does leave, it'll be like Waco at the White House. And I think that even if, I think you're going to have people begging for a coup. I think that if if he does what I think he's going to do, I think that he desperate. we disagreed about this before the podcast. I think he's so desperate now to stay there and so desperate to prove the point of his power. And I think he's fallen in love with his power. He might not have wanted to go there, or but I don't it. think he wants to leave summer camp now. And I personally believe that even if Bernie wins, takes it and Trump like fights for five days and then like marches off and leaves, we're in for a very rough decade and that decade is going to be uh like oklahoma city times a thousand i think that that's where we're heading and until we do the one to me the one singular thing we can do that will start to change the whole map is to overturn citizens united it is the root it is the rot in the root everything else comes from that because it is inf infusing a confusion in our politics that is fogging it up and then not to get all uh, esoteric, but you know, the, whether you like the Masons or not or whatever, but some of the esoterica written, you know, in Morals and Dogma and different books like that really talk about the idea of unity of force of democracy and that force and will are combined with the sort of unity of the people. And when the dissolution of the people happens, you have the rough Ashlar as opposed to the perfect Ashlar. The perfect Ashlar is a society that's a perfect cube and it works uh, with pure edges of li liberty, fraternity, and equality, and three invisible edges that I can't remember the name right now. But the rough ashlar is a raw, is a rough-hewn stone that is. Uh, there's no sides or understanding to it, and I think that we are entering into an era where 
I think human beings don't understand the thin membrane of society is sort of light of like the little candle of liberty, which I know is a lame metaphor. But if you snuff it, last time it was like 1100 years. Right. Like well, last time in antiquity, once it really got snuffed and antiquity crept its way all the way into the Eastern Roman Empire, right? To stay alive in some fashion in Constantinople. That like, you know, that, that now I, I get very worried if we snuff it, what will happen? You know, this see, the, here's the amazing thing. Tony's not even a Mason. He's just studied that as an interested outsider. <laughs> yeah. Are you a Mason ally? <laughs> I don't know, but I think the Masons get a bad rap. I think they get a bad can, rap. Can you tell us that? I in think Trump they were the voice? first think tank. Basically, <laughs> they were the think tank that sprung up around Europe. If you look at when lodges sprung up, lodges sprung up. Or in 1711, I think is the first lodge. By 1733, there are like 15 lodges across Europe. And then what happens? The American and the French Revolution. Those were think tank operations by lodge members. I mean, that it's not like some secret, you know, Templar thing. It was the people who formed the first think tanks and said, we're going to change this and undermine the monarchy. Do you I'm know the handshake? Yes, I do. It's two in the pink, one in the stink. Oh my god! Uh, you should do a character. You should do Freemason Trump. He kind of does. You oh. come to the show. It's, yeah, it happens it's all sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, what's the plan for the show? Where, where, where are you going to be in tour? Yeah. Uh, well, we're going. Where can our, where can our listeners yeah. find you? Can you when, tell us it's Trump because we didn't give you enough chance? When does this come out? That's okay. It's not going to come out. This. Oh, it's too late. Our tour has. Is happened. it going to come out? Is it going to come out after March first? Yes. So the tour was incredible. We sold out everywhere. It's over. There's no more dates now. There's one in May, May 23rd in Austin, Texas. We're going to be in Austin, Texas, which I believe <laughs> that us. we excuse recently me. won on excuse Super me. Tuesday. You're not excused. You excuse are not me. Excused. I want all there the states. No I want all the states in Super Tuesday. Bernie, you changed the rules of the convention, and now you're going. No, 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 oh, don't, no. don't you start parroting the right talking points from no, within the Democratic no, sorry. Party. Sorry, I need the super delegates. Back in 2016, the super delegates Oh, that's not what you said back then. Now you're like, oh no, ooey, ooey. You see, he is getting talking points from MSNBC. I hope you're happy with MSDNC. That's what that guy called them. And then they shut down his Twitter account. We're doing great. We're you're doing, doing better. Bad. And, uh, and Mike Pence, let me tell you, Mike Pence is a great plan for coronavirus. He's going, this guy knows how to spread AIDS better than anybody. He did it in Indiana. <laughs> And we hear that AIDS is the counter virus to Corona. Okay, so we're doing is, an incredible mix. Is, we're going to start well, spraying AIDS all over the United human, States. If this is your human health policy, I can't wait to replace it with Medicare for And if all. Mike Pence gets sick. A lot of people sick, are going to need to see some doctors coming. If Mike Jesus. Pence gets sick, we'll just replace him with Nikki Haley. Ooh, Nikki. And finally, I'll have. That's probably a, what you want to do. A first lady You're probably VP. Setting him up to fail so well, that you can get rid of him. That's in what. Surface-oriented, ignorant Twitter thinks, but it's a totally dumb strategy. <laughs> so it's a dumb idea. Can you do Mike Pence, by the way? I don't have. You don't have so, it. Yeah. Just such a cipher. Uh, that was no Pete. Pete Gross does Mike Pence. He's going to be at at uh, APEC. Who would, who would recognize that impersonation? Yeah, it's Nobody. just I'm a I'm a cotton swab. I'm a, <laughs> well, I'm here as a Kleenex. He also has homoerotic tendencies towards his uncle, who was a policeman. It's yes. true. 
He why, has, why? he has, I'm not, yeah, and he calls his wife mother, but he does have a weird thing with his uncle well, who was I, a cop. Even though Pete Gross uh, maybe didn't look like Mike Pence, I do have to say that Pete did, I think, I gotta have a shit out, a shit out, to <laughs> shout out, a I shout like out and friend. a shit out to uh, Pete Gross, who is the showrunner for President Show, because he played the sort of sidekick Pence. Yeah. And right, he yeah. was, uh, he actually, I think, captured it perfectly in the sense that he was just, He's a guy who's like, uh, okay, well, I'll, whatever you need, mother. And then when he gives oh, any chance so to talk about Christianity or any of his points of views, he gets all really excited and Trump shuts him down. And we tried to make them like a classic comedy team. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Where like, I'm always, and so I have to say, if you ever get a chance to watch any of the Mike Pence stuff from President Show, I, Pete was just, it, it's not like an impression of Mike Pence, but it's a perfect take on the energy of who Mike Pence was. <laughs> and when Trump did that thing where he's like, okay, and for coronavirus, come on, Mike, get up here. That was like our show to a T that like we all wrote each other and we're like, this is like an episode. Like it's totally like, let's have Mikey. Mikey likes it. Let's have Mikey eat the fucking coronavirus right. cereal. It's like uh, Letterman and Paul Schaefer, if Paul Schaefer was completely nondescript and uninteresting. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he is definitely the slapped around sidekick, I right. think, in, in the Trump, yeah. Trump administration. I'm not sure I buy that he's this closet gay. I don't get the vibe from him, and I've known yeah, yeah. I know my closet gay. Right, yeah. I know, and I don't necessarily get it from him, and I think that he, there are there's some people like that who just have those shitty ideas who are right. as straight as it gets. Sure, yeah, no, you don't have to be self-loathing to have homophobic <laughs> I, yeah, ideas. Yeah, I think yeah. you might right. just be an outward-oriented bully. Right, <laughs> yeah, outward, right, right. doesn't right. like people having fun <laughs> right. or being themselves. I say the bold bet is the safe bet this time. The, Bernard, our, our society has been destabilized, yanked in this crazy direction. We need to yank it back. We don't need to go compromising. This idea that Trump is something hard to beat, he's easy yeah. to beat. You need anybody who's a populist yes. or a leftist, preferably right. both. Both, yeah. Amen. A secular men. A godless men. Yes. Well, Hi, Anthony, you. Thank you. Thanks yes. so much. Yes. Thanks so much. Yes. Thank you for having where, where can us. we find you guys yeah. online? Trump versus Bernie2020.com. Right, and listen. We, we li don't necessarily have any more tours. And, well, right listen, now. and listen to the under underculture. Yeah, my podcast. podcast, The Underculture. You could follow me at Tony Atamanik. <laughs> Tony is a guest on my podcast. Yes, had, recently am. had some really fun stuff on there too from Trump versus Bernie. Great. Yes. And it's cool. a great, great, great Splendid. show. Yeah. And this thank was you awesome. Guys. Yeah, thank you guys awesome. so much thank for coming on. I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Wasn't that a great interview? That was that was amazing. Better uh, times. Yeah, it's just literally shocking to hear uh, the, the Bernie impersonation. Kind of makes me sad to think about it, actually. Yeah. I thought we were going to be hearing a lot more of it. But uh, that was fantastic. Very funny dudes. Very funny dudes. Have to get them back on the show. Yeah, I saw them live, actually, that same day. They did a great live show. Yeah. So that was great. Thanks so, so much to those two for coming on. And uh, we have a great show coming next week as well. Yeah. Another in interesting mystery guest. And uh, we will talk to you then. Before then, though, rate and review us. Rate and review Buy our merch, great bags, mugs. mugs. We got some um, hash. Some people tagging us with their mug photos. Outstanding! Yeah, send us pictures of uh, the pictures of you with our merch. Also, pictures of you writing um, clean but critical comments about uh, Pod Save America. Do they have to be clean? Nah. Can they be obscene? That, Actually, right? yes. And then Elizabeth Warren, because she has time on her hands now, she can tag them. Right. Tell us which ones are borderline problematic. Right. Send us your plan for that, Liz. Uh, yeah. Anyway, anyway, listen to us, not them, and yeah. rate and review us, not them, and yeah. everything's going to be great for everybody. And so division between us and them. Right, yes. So we'll see you next week. See you next week.
Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.